Is a, that is a trip back in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just heard VR Troopers. Yeah, that's actually Evie Powell's favorite show, at <laughs> least related to VR from when she was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was her favorite yeah, show. Yeah, that, that might be an overstatement. But she definitely knows the, the song. So that song was VR Troopers, which if anyone remembers, it might be illegal that we just played it. Not really sure. We're just going to go for it. You get a copyright suit coming down on us. Yeah, but for anyone who watched Power Rangers, apparently that was a big show that fell under the umbrella of the Power Ranger That, that whole or yeah, something like that. Pop cultural movement from Japan. Yeah. yeah. So it was a show called VR Troopers, and if you listen to this episode, you'll hear Evie sing it, which is even more fun than listening to the <laughs> recording. <laughs> ah, so anyways, hey, Jay. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> um, we are back again for another episode of Reality Quest. Yep. And this one was Dr. Evie Powell. Evie is awesome. She got her PhD in computer science and then wrote her dissertation in pervasive games. Yeah, she's which... pretty stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know why I like saying that about anybody who gets their PhD or something. <laughs> because I'm just a little bit of envy yeah. and resentment for them <laughs> for their accomplishments. Wow. No, it's true though. She's 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 dope. She has petty. I know, it's true. <laughs> But she has a background in music. She sings. She plays the keys. She does all of this stuff. The marimba in particular. Right. Yeah. Uh, Which she ended up creating a a game in VR that was a marimba where you could play it. Um, But she has this whole musical background and actually wanted to create battle themes or or soundtracks to to games that really inspired her. She ended up going uh, in a bit of a different direction well in the same direction but she, she went into making games right uh, i think she kind of described it as she liked doing the music and then realized she could just build the game itself yeah she's like i can uh, just do everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just gonna do that yeah so she just started scrapping together her own, her own experiences and then i think that took her down a long path and video games right eventually she made it into starting to create vr experiences right both her vr experiences and the traditional games she's created she would call experimental yeah and so for example i mean we talked about the marimba one which is a a type of instrument that she created that you could play which is this like giant set of keys (laughs) it looks like a xylophone to me yeah yeah Um, yeah but you have like the two mallets and you hit the the keys in front of you to create music and rhythm and everything right and that game was called melody she also did epic snow day adventure where you could Mm. actually 
have a snowball fight, but the gameplay was like you could actually collect the snow. Yeah, you're like compacting a ball in, in front your of hands. you into the size that you want. And, right. Yeah. And it was and it was more uh it, it felt like you were actually doing yeah. that with the controllers rather than like pressing buttons to yeah. make that happen. She's very passionate about making interfacing interfaces in these games and experiences that are very real and naturally intuitive. Yeah. Uh, to people when you step into there you just know how to do it you know how to pick up those mallets because you've picked up a stick before yeah and you know how to make a snowball because you've you've gone you've reached down and grabbed i don't know a pile of dirt even if you've never lived in a place that had snow right. you know how to kind of pack something into that shape and so they're 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 natural interactions um, yeah which is a great segue into so she she's obviously a gamer a lot of this conversation is by the way i i, I don't understand half the games that she's talking about. <laughs> she's got a lot of obscure she, pop culture references. Yeah, she totally sci-fi. does. And I historically, I love games, but I wouldn't identify as one of those strong gamers the way a lot of people do. Uh, she, I, I know, but but Jay would. So Jay knows what she's talking about. I'll just like be silent the whole time. Um, but uh, and and Jay and I are passionate about bringing the XR conversation outside of the gaming world. One of the reasons I'm excited to have this conversation with Evie is that she is a gamer. She has this whole background in in uh, software development. Yeah. And particularly exploring pervasive experience uh, in games, which to quickly define that, it's basically when you create an experience that crosses different mediums, it is not just in a device that you play it on. Um, it also takes place in the real world and there are other ways for you to, you to experience it and, and continue uh, that progression. And so it lends itself very naturally to AR and VR because you can uh, build an experience that traverses different layers of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically never leaves your life, yeah. which is what Evie wants. <laughs> Evie wants to create games that people can't escape from, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I was saying is that she she has this whole gamer background. However, She's not exclusive at all. She really wants to create games to your point about how how she creates her games with a certain user experience that mm-hmm. is intuitive and natural to people. Yeah. Uh, she's also been working on some things related to what people would call calm UX, which is taking calm away. UX, yeah. Right. Calm. Um, <laughs> calm. <laughs> calm. Because uh, she doesn't want to overwhelm the user and yeah. she wants anyone to be able to step in. And I think in the episode, she even uses the word like to to not let the the devices and get in the way of the experience. She wants yeah. that to disappear and to create an experience that anyone can get into and, and have fun with or learn from. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. We're already over our time limit. Jay and I keep trying to yeah. set a three-minute <laughs> timer for our intros, and we fail every time. We tend to we tend to tangent a lot, but I think that it really goes along with the sort of theme that we have for Reality Quest in that we're not trying to paint the picture of these sort of figureheads in the industry that have all of these successes, and it's only about uh, the, the latest discoveries and the data, the information. It's very much about the human in the loop. Um, it's very much about the experiences that are pe- that people are having with these and the struggles along the way because everyone in, in the VR industry knows that it's a very small community, but they but we seem to forget that often. So we're really trying to bring people from outside of that bubble and integrate their thinking and uh, their expertise and and really try to enable new thinking and ideas to happen through that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're trying to 
learn enough about the people, even if they are in the tech bubble or the gaming yeah. bubble, mm-hmm. like Evie, she's taking it outside of that. And I love just learning all about how she got into this world and everything about her past and how her brain works, because it's everything involved in a human. It's not just like that specific project that they're working on. Yeah. It's everything about their past and and the way they function that they're bringing in to influence the industry. Yeah. So All of their experience and perspective yeah. goes into everything they do. Anyways, we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, this one's super fun. Evie has the best energy about her. So um, just get excited. She's like a little kid who just lives in a game constantly in her mind. <laughs> and so it's great. Um, we actually, I think, started this episode out around dinner time. Right? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so, something. Heads up. <laughs> yeah, heads up. Quick context as you go into this. Well, first of all, we were in between studios, and by studios, I mean Jay was moving apartments and we record in his little apartment rooms. Um, <laughs> so, we had to record this in a really crappy room where the sound bounced. So, sorry, this sound quality is a little bit lower compared yeah, it's to some of the It's a little bit of episodes. extra reverb. There's a live yeah. audience studio, basically. <laughs> sure, sure. It was live. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, yeah, so context is we cook dinner for our guests. If you want to be a guest. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. So so this one happened to be like a really nice home-cooked meal. Sometimes uh, I end up just burning stuff or making lukewarm, like, <laughs> freezer You're things. Like Trader Joe's, uh, yeah. like, tamales or whatever. Right. <laughs> or and derbs. that has nothing to do with our opinion of the guest. It's just like... The <laughs> We Any past like, guest, this has no reflection yeah. on your <laughs> what merit. We, yeah, what we cook kind of uh, is just about the day that we're having and if we have time to cook or whatever. Um, but Evie happened to have a really good meal. Um, and so we were talking about, we were telling her not to tell anyone that we cook because we were nervous that somebody would find out we didn't cook as good a meal for them or that one day we wouldn't have enough time to cook. Yeah, we, and we, we set an expectation for, yeah, for all the future guests. Right. That they are going to get like a Thanksgiving feast. Right. But now it's out there. So we cook dinner for our guests or we try to. And that's how this begins. Yeah. All right. Uh, enjoy. A, yeah. <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> <shut here>. <laughs> Oh my God, where do we I think begin? Dinner changes the deal a little bit. Like yeah. you invite people over for food. They're always I'm supposed like, to tell people that I had <laughs> oh, dinner. Well. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> this is proprietary information. Yeah. Okay, okay take two. <laughs> Dink. Dink. I did not have dinner. <laughs> we all totally did that one. Nobody will know. You are literally the first person to eat before we start. Meaning yeah. most people just well no that's they we just do. tough it out with <laughs> with an empty yeah, stomach. Hungry <laughs> we and get sad. some appetizers, but I feel like they show up and they're like, no, I'm okay. And then we talk for a while and then yeah, and then they're like, all right, I'm gonna I, die. I think people are usually pretty like cautious about like wanting to just eat your food. Oh, like they come into your place and they're like, oh well, I don't want to like oh that's awesome you put all this stuff together and they're like oh, I'm not gonna take too much. Yeah. But no, no, uh, I just assumed you cooked yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. What, that, that was the, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> that is like, that is the intent. <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> like what else you got? I feel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you missed earlier I made Jay a smoothie. Ooh. And mm. it was gnarly. <laughs> I'm gonna stop ragging on your smoothie. It was 
Well, the first it, thing Jay said to me was that it reminded him of horse meal. <laughs> uh, horse, like you're horse one feed. of those. Oh, horse, <laughs> horse feed. Horse feed. I'm one of those. Yeah. <laughs> you just like throw everything, cook up a bunch of nonsense and put it in a blender and call it a smoothie. <laughs> Totally true. <laughs> How unfortunate. But also, I admitted that it was horrible. Yeah, she you know, definitely like, gave a disclaimer. She's like, you know, it doesn't taste like anything, actually. <laughs> yeah, which is better than I, which I also admitted that it's better than like other times where I've made myself gag from what I have <laughs> But it's funny that you said that about like the mix bunch of things into a concoction because have you played the, the Zelda... Um, What's the the wind? Thank you. Uh, what's the what's the latest album? Um, we were just talking about it. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Right. right. Something yeah. about the um, W. I, I keep wanting not. to call it Wind Waker because that was one. Yeah. Wind Waker I, was one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Breath of the Wild. Wild Waker. Wild. Breath of the Wind. Breath of the. <laughs> Breath of the <laughs> what? <laughs> I was mashing up Windy. the two. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I, I, yeah, the answer is no. I have not played well, it. Which honestly, it really ruins my whole point. <laughs> because, because there's a, there's this whole thing, but you have to see it to really understand. Which is like you concoct meals, like that's part yeah. of the gameplay. Uh huh. And um and is there like a little dance. Yeah, thing? he does a little like you'll be like, I wonder what happens when you put these together. Yeah. And then and then it'll be like do 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 you know like and he like kind of jiggles and dances as like the food's popping around and there's a song that goes along with it. And I was literally like trying to reenact that as I was making this movie. throwing your spinach and, and <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. all so, the different powders and, and things. And, and <laughs> in that game there is there is something that comes up where it's like I I wish I could remember the name. It's something like you've made sludge, you know, like it says <laughs> that you haven't made anything worthwhile. Like oh, you didn't do a good job. If you put random stuff in. Right. Yeah. Mm. And, um, and so that was basically like what happened. It was like a real life reenactment of that. It, <laughs> it, it, it resembled the, the brown salsa from Chipotle, Aww. you know, like the Maya or the medium one. <laughs> I would not have brown salsa. I don't know what you're talking about, but that doesn't sound appetizing. I would never. But if it tasted like, like mm, horse salsa feed, brown. would you? No. Would you rather have Double horse no. Feed? Would you rather have horse feed or brown I would salsa? Not. <laughs> oh, gosh. But but you made really good food here. Yes. Um, which was, yeah, it was delicious. Yeah. Thanks, Some people Maybe it's because it wasn't smoothies. in a blender. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I feel like it's hard to make things yeah. like appealing if you just like shred them into. Yeah, right. Like a it's blizzard. true. There, there is an art to it. Yeah, like what goes well together. Stuff and what happens doesn't. in a blender. Yeah, like it's <laughs> a not. Few things. It's not few, the same. There's a bit yeah. of a transformation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what goes in is not the same. It's as not what. the same. <laughs> right. There's a metaphor there. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, Life is like I mean, a like blender. an onion. It's yeah. like you can slice an onion; it tastes very different than if you put it in a blender. Like if you put a onion uh, in a yeah. blender. Oh god, like, that sounds imagine like imagine that a, a whole kitchen of of sobbing. Yeah, my eyes just out. Sadness. That's just pure sadness. <laughs> just you ugly took out cry. All of the good stuff and just <laughs> remain is sadness. I can like. Go ahead. Can you? Are you one of those people that can just like eat an onion? 
Like before it's blended into oblivion. I can <laughs> I can eat it when it's chopped. I can't just like bite into it. Though. Okay, like yeah. a, like an apple. I can, yeah, like Shrek? I can just like cut like, it. Like ogres are like onions. Right, right. Yeah. I would never <laughs> well, can just you bite, bite into one? I mean, a red onion. Those are pretty good. The Hawaiian sweet onions. Those are I could I could eat those like an oh. apple. I don't, but I just <laughs> I like I my my. Uh, <laughs> Not familiar with them. I just had one of those like salivary, you know, <laughs> like, like burn burn your yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. You're just like this is like unpleasant. What you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to go back to the blender analogy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I just felt like it is a good metaphor for life because <laughs> <laughs> you go in. You get chopped up. <laughs> it's, a little, yeah. it's a little You bits. get demolished into little bits. Oh you don't know what your identity is anymore. <laughs> you don't know where you start and You're all the like, other nonsense I, begins. Who yeah. was I before yeah. that whole transformation? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you just look around and you're just like nonsense, right? Nonsense. <laughs> I feel like how did I get here? I feel like life is just a long series of like being reblended into different forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just like put in like one of those ice pop things and then put in the freezer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like you go into the blender and then you're you come out as like liquid pulp, <laughs> yeah, formless, and then they put you into a you put yourself into a new ice pop yep. mold. And you're now like a blended what part veggie of life popsicle. Is that? Oh, that's is that <laughs> That's probably marriage where everything is cold and <laughs> sad and desolate. Freezer. Yeah. And you've never felt more alone even though you're surrounded by like <laughs> by a bunch of other other frozen <laughs> souls. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just like oh, well, surrounded by so many of you. Why do I feel so alone and why does empty? everyone seem yeah. so dead inside? Yeah. <laughs> God. You're all like me. I made this. Yeah. <laughs> Cold and soulless. <laughs> well, that's what that I think got dark. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> and that's the lesson of this evening. Yeah. All right. I guess we're Marriage done Marriage is like being yeah. a popsicle in an icebox. <laughs> Are you married, Evie? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no. It's like, wow. I hope, I, like, no. I hope they never listen to this episode. I can't imagine why not. Like, <laughs> That's so uh. charming. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Anywho. So, Evie, tell us about, like, you can have a sip of your thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, we were talking about this earlier. You're a transplant, like all of us here. Mm-hmm. Um, you came from the East Coast originally. Yeah. How was that? So? Um, well, how was the East Coast? How, the East or Coast your part is, of the East yeah, Coast. Yeah, yeah. I'm from, I'm from Charlotte. I mean, yeah. I, that's where I went to college, and that's okay. mostly where I grew up. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was, mm. it was an okay place. Um, I would say that uh, the, like, the access that I had to industry was very minimal. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. There's not much of it out there. Right. It's like here, you know, since I've been out here, it's like I'm always at a conference or sometimes I'm talking at a conference and, yeah. some, you know, there's like a session or some interesting thing every night like, mm. that I have to go to. Like there, it was like if I wanted to go to the nearest IGDA meeting, it was like a three-hour drive and it was yeah. usually once a month. And, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, like the other organizations, like I started the, um, uh, what was it? Gamers Alliance. Um, so at, at my college, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was the, the founder and 
uh, president of Gamers Alliance, which was people that make games meets uh, people that play games. And yeah. so it was like I would bring all my retro consoles and people <laughs> would bring in their collections. And mm-hmm. we had this like extensive checkout system. Um, yeah, it yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Um, but so, that was the only thing, because if I didn't do it. It wouldn't. Nobody was already nobody doing, was it. doing it. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. kind of had to be the one to start everything up. Right. <laughs> were you always into games, and and did you know that you were always into that stuff, and and always into uh, engineering? Yeah, I think I had a different, a slightly different career path in like middle and high school or early high school. Yeah. Um, because mm. initially I was thinking, yes, I like games. I want to write the next, you know, um, musical the score for like, you know, yeah. Final Fantasy or something Were you already, like that. you were already well into music at that point, it sounds like? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, I was definitely, um, uh, sort of taking music lessons and stuff like that and in, in middle school and high school band and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then I just started getting more and more into like RPG style games because it was like, I started out just, you know, playing whatever my nephews got for Christmas or whatever. Actually, no, that's not true. I mean, I I did my Mappy Lands and like it, it with the NES. Mappy you Lands. Map, Mappy Land. Mappy Land was my very first game that I. It belonged to me. Before that, uh, like I was five. Before that, it was all games on like the Commodore sixty four, which was like before my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I so, never played a Commodore sixty four. Yeah. Only my mom got of. me an NES <laughs> for Chicken Pox. Because congratulations, Chicken Pox. Here's here's an NES and Mappy Land. And I played the crap out of Mappy Land. But what is Mappy Land about? Okay, so Mappy Land is this cute little game. Don't understand. Where you're a mouse. And I believe it's like the first one you, the the first, it's like four levels. Mm -hmm. Um, So the entire thing is just like, well, actually, no, there's like eight, eight levels, but four rounds of levels. Okay. And so the first time you go through the levels, Mm. you are collecting cheese. So you're just sort of collecting cheese, avoiding the cats. (laughs) And, um, you know, like, I I think there's like these men that like, like money and you have to like lure them with money so that they'll go away. So you can like jump over them and there's trampolines so you can jump over all of these enemies. And so the first time <laughs> you go through crazy. it, yeah, it was really trippy. Um, <laughs> the first time you go through it, like you basically collect all the cheese and you give the cheese to your girlfriend. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I love it, this cheese. Is, so right? it's like your, your mouse girlfriend. Yes. Mouse okay, girlfriend. gotcha. <laughs> yes. And so then the next time you play through, you're collecting something else. I think it's, um, uh, what was it? I don't remember what the second one was, but then there's like rings. So you're collecting rings so you can marry her. Okay. And then on the last one, you're collecting baseballs so that you can give baseballs to your son. Wow. Yes. Because, you know, you, you this is like a whole life cycle. Yes. In a you game. successfully got in the girlfriend and got married and then you had a son. And I don't remember <laughs> what the like there's one in the middle there that I can't remember. That sounds like a really fun game that yep. was obviously targeted at guys, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, also at maybe six or seven year old kids. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like the little yeah. characters are just so cute. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have siblings? Did you grow up playing games with siblings or anything? Um, yeah, I'm the youngest of five. Um, but Big family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was also like sort of the accident, so I'm like ten oh. years younger than the one that's next oh, to me. Oh, got it. Okay. And like my oldest sister is like 19 years older than me. Yeah. So it's oh, just wow. like, 
big gap between me yeah, and them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they were mostly off doing college and other important things, were, like having kids. <laughs> they were already doing life. Um, life they were things. already they were already <laughs> in the freezer. They're already in the blender. By the time I got there, <laughs> through the blender <laughs> into the freezer they were already. In the freezer. <laughs> um, so yeah, I. I played a lot of games and I came from a family that played games, but I didn't mm. really play it with them. Yeah. I eventually okay. started playing with like my nieces and nephews and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the age gap is probably pretty large for you to like be into the same games yes. as your older siblings, but yeah, yeah, nephews. Yeah, yeah. It turned out like me, me and my siblings were really into like the same like comics and the same like television shows and stuff mm -hmm. with the exception of star trek i couldn't stand it because i always tell the story at home but it's like basically <laughs> um when star trek was on and there was all these iterations of star trek so it was never not on and so <laughs> it was always on in the other times where the other sci-fi shows that i wanted to watch like sliders was on Sliders. I know nobody knows about sliders because it really sucks. But I was, I was <laughs> really like into B-rate sci-fi yeah, channel. Yes, yes. I mean, it absolutely was. It was basically <laughs> this dude and his professor friend discover that like there are alternate dimensions and they can open this portal and then they can jump in. But then he jumps Ooh, in without a plan is... on how to get out, and so he's oh. just stuck Starting. trying to get back to his home. Uh, alternate universe and he has no idea how to get there. <laughs> and, and that's so, the premise of the whole show. That's the premise of the whole show. I love it. Just yes. getting back yeah. to, to try base, to get back home. Reality. You have no idea how to get there. Yeah. yeah. I miss having cable TV just because <laughs> yeah. of things the, like the that. It's like the random. <laughs> I miss bad TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. it's just bad internet or bad. like bad YouTube. Yeah. Like when you get, <laughs> 10 miles down that rabbit hole and you're like how, yeah, how the hell did, yeah. did this content <laughs> what am I watching <laughs> how is this recommended for me yeah. like every time I go into YouTube and I'm like don't look like blinders on you know <laughs> So, oh god that that made me think of like okay so the premise of that show sliders was like multiple universes and somebody gets stuck in another one yeah um did were do you remember any of like the old uh like vr type ex like the initial <gasps> forays yeah before you mean like vr era? troopers i love that show we Wait. are we are VR <laughs> Troopers 3 Go Virtual Reality. You remember that? It was coming on at the same time as Power Rangers. It was oh. like it was like Power Rangers would come on and then VR Troopers would come on. And they were like, what? I think they were both made by uh, Shaban or Sab Saban. No, this, they were both made by the same director. I think Power so, Rangers because and... they they were very similar. I watched um, a lot of Power Rangers growing up, but yeah. I never I don't think I ever saw VR troopers. Oh my god. No, yeah, it was yeah. So was what great. was the premise of that? I mean, <laughs> they were they were like kids that would, you know, they they did Power Ranger things, but all of their transformations and their uh, uh endeavors into like fighting these alternate inter, uh, enemies and stuff were like putting on the VR headset and then yeah. doing a trans, uh, transformation sequence. It was... <laughs> I'm, yeah. like, shocked that what? this existed yeah, at that time yeah. and that was, like, a thing. Yeah, I mean, people yeah, were, like, dreaming was... about VR. But no, I know, but, it, it but, like... the, but dreaming about VR, you know, and having scientists and technologists be into it is different from having a kid's show. That's about uh, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, like, it just feels like a big 
a big step. And yeah. I've never even heard of it. Though, yeah. that song you were just singing, mm-hmm. how, do you, how does it go? It, it's like it starts out and then there's yeah. like a chant. And they're just like, we are, we are, we are. And then it would go, troopers, three, go, virtual reality. Troopers, three, go, virtual oh my reality. God. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so catchy already. Yeah. Just the way that you're singing it. That is awesome. Uh, I really want to now. Very Power Ranger YouTube. Yeah. I have I'll be doing later. I mean, yeah, yeah. very similar. Like, yeah. go, go, Power Rangers. Like, it oh, had that yeah. same oh. type yeah. of, like, yep. vibe to it. Mm. Yeah. Was it was it also, like, translated kind of over into... <laughs> <laughs> Evie is it's like really getting down that right now. Beer, it's just, <laughs> it's just the root beer is really kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, that was my sixth grade year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that is so awesome. we we have to come back to that later because <laughs> I feel like those are those were early inspirations, maybe or like subliminal planting of some of these like ideas about VR and things that have probably started to become a very big part of your life now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, um, although I don't remember very much of that show besides <laughs> the opener. Like, What if I, you went back and watched it now and it had like all of the answers? You're just like, this is everything oh, we man. should be doing with VR. I totally should. Yeah. <laughs> revisit that. Yeah, You're like, they it. knew. They, they probably did. They, they already knew. They, they knew the answers. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Should so, just make that an entire research paper thesis. Yeah, just going to have to go back the, and binge watch VR. It's the only thing you reference. The only yeah. thing. <laughs> That's my entire lit review section. Yeah. It's like citations VR troopers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Uh, so going back to you obviously love music and singing. You had mentioned this earlier before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so remind me again, it was singing. Uh, let's see. So I play keys, already. so piano. piano. Yeah, um, yeah. So that uh, that's first, and then like percussion, so like drum set and yeah. marimba. So if you remember, I made that little yeah, marimba yeah, in yeah. VR. We were looking um, at it earlier. And then, then singing, I would say. It's nice. probably yeah. my third highest. Yeah. And is that skill. does that run in your family as well? I'd say so. Definitely singing. Because um, they got you so, into it early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely singing. Uh, piano, I think, was just me though. Like we always had a piano in the in my home, um, but like nobody played it. Yeah, and mm. my mom tried to get everybody lessons, and then by the time <laughs> um, by the time I came around, like she had given up. She was just like, yeah. none of these kids want to play the piano. And, and then you like, took to it. Yep. I was just like, I want <laughs> lessons so bad. Nobody was trying to make you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so cracked the formula. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but they, uh, some of them did play other instruments like Vita, um, the one that's next to me, she played the flute. So she, I always uh, okay. remember her playing the flute like nice. all the time. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. did you, you said that you grew up wanting to do things like to, to, you were interested in soundtracks or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I was, like, like originally... Cinematic type. Right. Yeah. When I when I started playing, like, um, uh, the RPGs. Yes. Yeah. And so Ooh. I think the first one I played all the way through was Parasite Eve. Parasite, Parasite Eve? Yes. That, so that's where my little that. Twitter handle comes from, Parasite Eve. Oh. because Parasite Eve was like the first RPG that's I played. That's a good little, little yeah. insight there. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, it was made by Squaresoft in mid-90s, early 90s, something like that. 
Um, it mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, it was basically, <laughs> a, I, I believe they just uh, took a sci-fi novel that was like um, about like mitochondria taking over the human body and eventually the human race and it's Whoa. just like it decides i don't i no longer want to be yeah. a symbiotic because it's always talking about how it's still another or it's a separate organism it's a separate thing right yeah that's so funny. like I, it was like super like informative even though it was like like sci-fi and not real and <laughs> it was like crazy like i remember those like cinema sequences and stuff and and then yeah the music was pretty awesome and then after that i became a square a squaresoft fan and so i just started playing the final fantasies oh and, and okay so nobuo uematsu yeah yeah, yeah all of that okay. music i was just hooked obsessed <laughs> And I was like, I want to do that. There's a ton That's of what I music want. for that yeah. series, though. I mean, yeah, the the battle themes. I was yep. just like, I just want to write battle themes for a living. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't did care about try, anything did else. Did you try writing battle themes? Yeah, I've written yeah. a couple. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I'm I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. So, <laughs> do, you, do you write your own music for your games? Uh, it depends. Um, not all of them, but yes. Um, so I have written music for my own games before. That's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, everybody asks if I wrote the music in Snowball Fight or Epic Snow Day Adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did not. Oh. Um, okay. But. Uh, but you often, did for the marimba uh, the music well, or melody? Or yeah, melody. Yeah. Melody, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, um, because I was listening to that earlier and I was like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and, it depends. Like, I think there were some tracks that I didn't right like okay. it depends on what you're talking about that was sounded really good because I, I also just scoured the internet like uh, and look for people that wrote <laughs> really good marimba music yeah. yeah um because i did not the problem was is that i did not have a real marimba to actually uh, no. write everything on and, and so it was like own. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and well, so marimbas are giant right? they're huge <laughs> yes I mean, and like I've, I, I've always wanted one and yeah <laughs> And sometimes I'll write like music for the marimba or the xylophone or something, and yeah. I'll just write it on my keyboard because yep. I have yep. really good patches. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I was like, for this one, I really want it to feel and sound authentic. Yep. And so I was like, I can't really. It's a just, game about it's yeah, a game, like playing a marimba. Yeah, marimba. <laughs> and it, like, the whole thing is supposed to be based off of like high fidelity. And yeah. So Did you I'm make that like, yeah. because you wanted a real marimba? Yes. <laughs> It started out, that was the idea. The idea was that I was like, well, if I can't have a real marimba in my uh, in my house, I'm going to have a virtual marimba. Yeah, in my house. And it was good for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's still things I wish there were things like about it. Like, you know, the fact that I can phase through the keys. Oh, you know, that's not as cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I made this um, interface where you could like because I like to play with like four four mallets. So two mallets per hand. Do the. It's very hard to make controls for that. I feel like I did the best I could with the controls, (laughs) the vibe at the time. I would like to actually revisit that project now that there are some of these other control schemes out. Yeah. Like, uh, I bet. There are the knuckles now? Knuckles, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I have some of those. I'm going to. Check that out. <laughs> See if maybe that's good marimba marimba usage. Yeah, and the knuckles just so I can kind of revisit those because I haven't actually used them before. Um, oh, it's so like 
how did how, can you describe how the interface sort of works? Yeah, yeah. The There's like little capacitance sensors that are so you can put the thing on, so it's like a sleeve that goes around your palm. Yeah, and um, and then uh, from that, it's like tracking four of your digits, and so mm. it actually can do full uh, like gestures. Pretty really. pretty good uh, IK tracking of like you know your. IK? Your, yeah, in, like the inverse kinematics. So, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so right. if it knows like the position of like, you know, one of your, um, you know, little sub-digit pieces. Yes, definitely. That is terrible word. <laughs> sub-digit. <Meta>, Sub-digits. <laughs> what is it? Metacarpals? Meta. Yeah, that's what they're called. <laughs> I have no Anyway, <laughs> your little sub-digit pieces, it tracks yeah. each one yeah. of those. The, the part <laughs> in between your knuckles. <laughs> yes. So inverse kinematics, just a, a, a note of context. We do want to explain some things on this because we want people who are just interested in the industry and or and, outside of, the or industry. even outside, like able to track. You know what I mean? And oh, so, yeah, I can uh, I can briefly explain that. Um, so yeah. uh, usually, when people are animating things, especially things like sort of chains of uh, um, of body parts, joints, like bones. joints and yeah, bones, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there's like two ways you could actually go about doing that. There's like forward kinematics, which is pretty much. Um, from the base or whatever the base of the chain is, like probably your so like lower spine or, or yeah, your, from your shoulder joint oh, or your yeah, hip or something like that, right? Yeah. And so, and then you you basically create the offset rotations for everything that goes to the end of your extremities, right? Yeah. It's very, very complicated and it's not, probably not the most optimal way <laughs> of like, you know, tracking to something, right? Yeah. Um, so if you're trying to make like a walk animation or, uh, or actually procedurally, um, but which means like while you're playing the game instead mm -hmm. of like a, a pre-scripted. So while you're playing the game, if you want to make something that reaches out like you do, mm -hmm. right, or uh, is tracking towards like trying to grab an object or something like that, you wouldn't want to use forward kinematics. You'd want to use inverse kinematics, which is basically the idea that you tell what position the extremity is like uh -huh. your hand or your palm or your fingers or whatever. In relation to the and then it resolves what all of the rest of your joints would do to get into that position. Yeah. 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 The, the example that I always think of to try to give like a, a visual for that is like, if you were to imagine, I guess a line going from like the shoulder mm -hmm. to maybe the wrist, okay. perhaps on like an animated model. Mm -hmm. If, if the hand is reaching out in front, you would imagine the arm is straight and then as the hand comes closer to the shoulder joint, the inverse kinematics would resolve that the elbow is going to bend. Yes. But you don't actually have to like animate to... that part. It does it right. for you. Exactly. Because it knows it doesn't bend inward toward your body. It goes the other way. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you give it a list of constraints and then it does math. Um, and yeah. math makes the world go round. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you seem like you're, you're very inclined to like engineering. You have this mindset of like, you're, you've been historically very into music. You studied, um, I mean, generally computer science, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And you obviously have a lot of skills in coding and all of that. Like you create your own games and all of that. So going, I guess like going back to your college years or when you started actually, you know, becoming a human being before you end up, before you're in the freezer, you're in the, (laughs) (laughs) when you finally jumped into the blender for the first time, (laughs) you enter the blender. So like what was going on in your mind at that time? Were you thinking at that time that, um, you were going to mostly focus on music or something or how, what was the trajectory of your life at the point that you started entering in? to college. Yes. I think by the time I got into college, I had pretty much decided that even though I loved music and it was like number one in my head, Mm -hmm. I also liked money and wanted (laughs) to live. (laughs) I also had this mindset of it would be very, very difficult to get into the industry as a musician. Yeah. Um, whereas I the thought. music industry? Uh, into game industry. Game industry. I wanted to compose. do games and right. compose for yeah. games. Yes. Okay. And I was like, perhaps the better strategy would be to enter as a programmer or an engineer. Yeah. And then I can make money while I'm trying to become a music writer or yeah. something. Or continue doing that on the I, side. I had, yeah. I had all of these thoughts. So uh, who knows if they're right. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> one, so, one way of many. Yes. There's one <laughs> way of many. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I was basically, that was my, my goal was like, you know, I wanted to be a programmer and then the more I got into that kind of thing where Mm -hmm. I was just like well actually you know I don't have to just stop at writing the music I can just write the whole game and that is so much (laughs) that I like about it and so yeah then I just got really really greedy and was like I just want to do all of it and I just like trying to learn how to do art and stuff I'm not really I'm not good at art at all (laughs) really bad but I was like studying it like for a a while (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. it's, it's, it's there's a, f- a few clues yeah. <laughs> on online and across like different projects that you've worked on and whatnot that you have a very, very strong engineering le- or uh, lean yeah. or sort of mindset and approach. Where did you actually first get that from? Or like, where did you first start to feel like you were, you were more, you were more the type that wanted to like jump in and start building things first? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Cause, cause it was before college, I'm assuming like back in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like before college, I didn't really know how to um, sort of go about it, like, you know, building my own game. Yeah. Um, There was like the RPG maker um, (laughs) experience you could get. Um, and so I remember like spending time, like building, uh, worlds and using like a PlayStation two memory card and stuff. And that was Mm -hmm. silly. Um, and, uh, let's see. And then before that, I believe like, well, actually sort of after that, it was like a lot of mods. So I was like looking at different, um, mod environments like unreal before it became unreal engine. Um, they had Unreal yeah. script and, uh, like if you bought the game, like you could just sort of, yep. you can just kind of create experiences tournament. Of the, yeah. You could the just editor. Sort of, unreal editor. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and so I remember experimenting with several of those, um, and yeah, I mean, I think, let's see, I, I don't think I actually sort of, it, I don't think it clicked for me that, you know, I could actually build a game from start to finish. Um, I, I believe it was my junior year, uh, they finally introduced a gaming program at my college. And so oh. they... In, oh, yeah. junior year in college. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. You were, so you were studying that, computer science already? Yes, I was studying okay. computer science and I was very, very frustrated as a computer science student because it was Ooh. like I knew how to build like, you know, uh, like ATM machines and silly programs like that all day <laughs> long. But I'm just like, I still don't know how to make this character jump around and do all mm-hmm. these things. And I'm just like really frustrated. I couldn't build my own engine. Um, and then I actually like I think once I started taking the intro like game design classes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I just started becoming way more familiar with the tools. Um, And by the time, uh, yeah, uh, by the time I was doing my senior capstone, like I was building my own engine. And so it was like, yeah, we're just building everything in OpenGL and C++. And oh, wait, actually, I remember doing one of my capstone classes in uh, WebGL. Um, So it was like built in, uh, in JavaScript and WebGL. So it was basically a 3D game yeah. that would run um, on a browser without mm. a plugin. And that was like, that was oh, like a thing. <laughs> like you didn't have to install like Flash or, uh, yes, or no what, Flash what or another one, Macro Media. Yeah, those, like that. yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Like, and I think Unity had just come out. Um, had it? When no, the, no, when no. Would this have been? Yeah, this would have been, I think, let's see, that would have been around 2006, 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I think that's when I graduated, 2006, 2007. Mm. I remember doing a couple mods in Unreal 2007 and then building that engine. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I okay. think it was pretty late in my career where I, it sort of clicked to me, like, yeah. you know, where I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a game programmer now. Yeah. Like before that, oh, okay. I felt like I was just a very frustrated student. Or why am I doing this? I don't want to work at a bank. And um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, this, I want to build things in Fortran. Yeah. <laughs> the school that I was at, it, it you know, I, I don't think the undergraduate program was like the best. Like the grad school uh, program was much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but like one of my biggest criticisms of it was that it was like, it was in the middle of banking town. So Bank of America, you know, all of Wachovia and all of that stuff, they basically (laughs) controlled what our curriculum was. Mm. And so it was just like, you go to school and then (laughs) you go work at a bank uptown. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that. Um, Yeah. And so, Uh, yeah, yeah, I I think what helped also was, I think it was around my junior year, um, the IGDA, I had joined that. And Which is um, the, um, uh, was it international in, international game, game developers, developers association? association. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so I joined that and then they, it was either their first or second year offering the GDC scholarship. Mm-hmm. which was a scholarship that let you go to the game developers conference and you got to have like an industry mentor. Oh, wow. Um, and cool. yeah. yeah. And basically I had made this deal with my professor because she was so sure that I wouldn't get anybody to pay for me to go to GDC that she said, <laughs> if you can get someone <laughs> to pay for you to go to GDC, I will pay for your room and your flight to get out there. Oh. <laughs> so IGDA paid for my scholarship to go there and uh, and then she bought me a hostel. 
So wow. nice. that was awesome. Yes. <laughs> so you went for free. I was like, hey, guess what? She was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It was good. Teacher or not. <laughs> yeah. Because she followed so, through. Yeah. She did. She did. And very, yeah. very doubtful. Yeah. She, she was actually, like, she ended up being my PhD advisor. So, um, yeah, she's. She was pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. That's cool. You got your PhD at the same school. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I like the research there so much. I stuck around. Yeah. It was like for was it, how long was that? Like, let's see. I graduated, twen- let's see, 2009 with my master's and then 2012 with a PhD. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about one, I guess, the dissertation um, in particular that you had put together, which was on. Pervasive. pervasive. Yeah, yeah pervasive. socially pervasive game experiences. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. What does that mean? Because I had to look up a Wikipedia article on this earlier. I'd never heard the term pervasive used to describe a type of game, game. experience. Oh, okay. Yeah. You could have just read my dissertation. I would have explained all of well, it. Well, I, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I get it. It's like 400 we pages. Did. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We, we just wanted yeah. to explain it for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, we, okay. We, did, we definitely briefly visited it and have an right. idea now. <laughs> so basically a pervasive game. Um, you can think about it in terms of like, um, for most games that people construct, there is clear boundaries that separate um, gameplay from mm. the world of earnest. The rest non, of reality. Yeah, the, the rest <laughs> of the freezer, yeah. right? So. <laughs> damn metaphor. Uh, yeah, it's going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, and so uh, normally those boundaries, you can think of them as sort of spatial boundaries. So it's like mm. if you're in the same room, you're playing the same game, you're having yeah. a good time. If you're in the ring, in a boxing ring, you know, you're outside the boxing ring, you're not boxing anymore. Oh, in right? non-digital games, too, we yeah. consider the same thing. A yep. soccer field, it's the soccer field. Yep. Nobody outside of that is playing the right. game. Gotcha. And then, um, yeah, you can think of it temporally. Normally, people play uh, a game for a finite amount of time, and then when they step away from the game, like, the game's over. Yeah. Um, and then socially, there's people that you're playing with, there's mm-hmm. people that are not playing, and there's no really, you know, blending of the two that much. Yeah. But when you start to purposefully the blend these involved. things and try to blur those lines, then you're creating what's, in essence, in a pervasive game because it's be- meant to pervade into the real world somehow. Yeah, um, or into other areas where most game or non-pervasive games tend to mm-hmm. isolate themselves into one particular spot. Yes. Yeah. And so um, software developers or software game developers um, have sort of taken that in, in terms of like, well, what if you have technology or systems that mm. are meant to sort of blend, that have yeah. context awareness and stuff like that? So mm. how do you build experience around that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and so my, my thinking around like my dissertation was that as technology becomes increasingly pervasive, mm. our experiences will have to as well. Yeah. But we don't really, we're not really good at designing games that way. Um, yeah, or at least because, we hadn't been for a while. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> you can really, kind of see it. Like, yeah. I, I was I was preaching this back in two thousand nine or whatever. But like the um, the phones, like you can think of phones have all of these like sensors in them. They know like almost everything about you. Um, and yeah, they're always on and they're always with you and they always sort of know the context of what you're doing. Like you can Mm -hmm. tell it's like being really annoying when I'm driving and it's just like, you're driving, you should stop. (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have to. <laughs> Maybe we cut out that part. Note to self. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get in the car with Evie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, your phone you're knows everything driver. about you. And it, knows, it knows the context in which you're doing a lot of things. Yeah. But the games that we play on them are usually toilet games. They're games that... Um, <laughs> Yeah, nothing against toilets, but you usually play it, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to spend more than like a minute on the toilet. So I'm going to go play this little game. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Your candy crush. Right. right. Yeah. And so, you know, the, usually the measure of success has something to do with like, can you pick it up and play it for like 90 seconds and put it away? Yeah. Right. right. And so it's basically just. Uh, it's never taking that leap into saying, well, you, it's uh, high, high and low and mid engagement. It's just like you're highly engaged. You play it and you put it away. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that just seems like a waste of technology. Yeah. So Pokemon Go was probably yes, the first I was experience that in particular where <laughs> they really got that right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there was Ingress and all that stuff beforehand, but yeah, Pokemon yeah. Go was the one where it was that was like the breakout game where people were like, oh, That's I can play it, this all the time. I can be yeah. sort of highly engaged with it. And then also lowly engaged where it's like, I'm not really thinking about it and I'm Passively. driving and I'm not turning it on and doing something that's terribly um, unsafe, even though I guess some people did that. Um, uh, namely you, it sounds like. No, I did not play Pokemon Go while driving, <laughs> mainly because mm -hmm. it wouldn't let me. <laughs> no, no, Some no. serious skepticism there. <laughs> no, I, I do not advocate playing games while driving. It's Public service announcement. Public service play. announcement. It's a bad idea. You'll die. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it had all of those components of like, I could be walking down the street and not have to necessarily pick out or uh, pull out my phone yeah. to know that like, you know, it's, you know, I'm hatching an egg or something. <laughs> yeah. So, I feel it. I yeah. <laughs> so like you could be walking towards a destination yeah. knowing that like, oh, I'm going near a pond and there's probably water type Pokemon over there. And so it's like, yeah. you don't necessarily have to be playing on the way there, but you're sort of thinking about it. It's you, like, well, you've, you've associated locations in the game or the game world, which is overlaid on the real world. Yes. So you're, you're landmarking with yes. your memory or you're creating loci. Um, memory locations. Yeah, I thought yeah. I always thought it was really cool how like they managed to basically sell already existing real estate back to the companies that already own the real estate. Basically, <laughs> like Starbucks has usually had store like a, a Pokemon store or uh, what was it a not gym. Well, sometimes they'd have a gym, sometimes they'd have stores. But either way, they were probably making money, the company that made the game, by selling that location for a Pokemon store at a pre-existing business's location like Starbucks. Oh, To wow. get more people yeah. to go there. And you're like, <laughs> they didn't have to buy anything. They literally just are like, hey, this is an imaginary space. We can get lots more people there, so pay us. Yeah. And we'll put a store there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... That really so cool. the big the big factor it seems like in pervasive game experiences is that you are kind of blending <laughs> blending uh, blurring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just keeps you, working you, <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're blurring the lines you're basically saying like when people used to make games they were contained in a certain space 
um, like a time space or maybe a table for playing cards or whatever. And in this case, you're like, I'm going to take that card game and now make it something that you can interact with somehow outside of the table yeah. or the soccer game that was contained in the arena now has some sort of other element outside of the arena that, that gets you playing it in a sense, yeah. some other way. But what made you even think of that? Because it obviously hasn't really existed. If if Before Pokemon those. Go is yeah. the first one that's really done it well. I mean, Pokemon Go, how many years ago was that? Mm, yeah, I think Pokemon Go came out, What, what was that, 2014, 2015, something like that? Yeah. Maybe So just a few, few yeah. years ago. No, it hasn't been yeah. that long. Yeah, not that long. After you wrote this. Dissertation yes. is yeah, the, the point. Dissertation yes. was a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, how was this even on your mind? What What sparked this thought about games? Ah, it takes me back to my very first GDC, <laughs> where I went there. Where on you a staying in the hostel? Yes, yeah. yeah. staying in a hostel. Your professor and had paid for the room. My professor <laughs> had paid for the room, and um, my uh, my industry advisor, Michael John, um, he was like. Okay, you need to bring through it 300 business cards. And that caused Whoa. me a massive freak out. I'm mm. like, I'm not going to talk to 300 people. What am I, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, and so he was like, what am yeah, I you're, do with 300 business you got to need, you need at least 300 business <laughs> you just cards start, like, and you're going to hand it out. Like, right. you know, and so I had miles. this overwhelming, like, okay, so there's this incentive, like, I'm going there. You need to talk to at least 300 people. And so I'm just like, I, I don't talk to people like that. And so <laughs> I go there and um, there's a game that's being, um, I think, I think it might have been an Eric Zimmerman game, but I, I don't remember for certain. But ultimately, it was a game, uh, a business card trading game. Oh. And so um, he had this sort of local server, and uh, it was keeping track of everyone's score that was playing this game. And um, <laughs> it would start out with, like, you know, find you know, find a business card with rounded edges or something like that. Right. And so basically my networking, (laughs) all of the networking I did turned into a game. Right. Uh, And so you gamified the networking experience. You gamified the networking experience. And I ended up going through all of my cards quite easily by becoming sort of involved in this game. Yeah. And so afterwards I was like, you know, I got back to the game lab and I was like thinking about it and I was just like I never would have talked to all those people and made all those contacts if I hadn't played this game yeah and so I was like what if you know you could actually you know the sort of um software and you know all of the uh technical components of it were pretty pretty simple Mm -hmm. um it was mostly just sort of like you know normal transactions with people and i was like what if i could keep track of all of those transactions Mm -hmm. and then actually start using the data to make start to make more relevant transactions so that it's like super useful um so it's like not only am i just talking to more people but i'm also the game is leading me towards talking to people that are going to like seriously help my network or help my career growth or whatever it is I'm focused on. Mm -hmm. And so I started making my own sort of version of like assassin. And I don't know if you remember assassin. Uh, That's usually like one of those icebreaker games at like a college or something. No, Um, I never. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the rules of assassin, (laughs) um, you know, it's a pervasive game that existed before computers. 
Um, and so okay. it's basically um, everybody <laughs> that's playing assassin, <laughs> you know, you get somebody else's name. You, mm-hmm. you know, it's a campus wide. So you have no idea who this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, that person also has a different person's name and um that you have to basically assassinate that person by doing whatever the rules say it constitutes an assassination so it might be pour vinegar in the person's drink and make (laughs) make them drink it or you know whatever assassinate means shoot them with a nerf gun whatever (laughs) but you're playing it all the time and you have no idea who's coming for you and 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 it's like campus wide so you have yes everyone's super paranoid paranoid all the time but you're constantly talking to people like do you know this person like like, you might be my assassin yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah if you can assassinate a person you basically take that person's assassination card and then you go and assassinate that person oh person, so you'd be like racking up left. cards yes so wow. whoever's left at the end of it wins the game okay so the person that like, assassinated all the other people all the other people got yes. all their cards too wow yeah and, and it can it can drag on for a while yeah um <laughs> i feel like that is interesting that it makes me think pervasive in a way is is also open world game it's like that's a real life open world game <laughs> yeah. where it's just like there is no end and yeah like reality or like regular life the blender is a pervasive game yeah and it's yeah. where it's a lot of mini games mm-hmm. yeah sometimes pervasive games are so close to reality that they're they don't even feel like games anymore it's just yeah. it's just more reality yeah it's like yeah. somebody's always out to get you just yeah. always out to just spike put drink vinegar with vinegar. in your- <laughs> lesson of the day you've always always (laughs) run into like at some point in your life probably known a couple people that like they're just really good friends or like they're they're siblings or something and they're always pranking one another yeah and like the other like they never know when the next one is going to prank the other one (laughs) and so like they're just playing a continuous pervasive game their whole Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Were you good at Assassin? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I ever played it long enough to actually say that I was good at it. I like to believe that I am. Like, <laughs> but, but so you had this. Yeah. Okay. So so you had that experience mixed with this business card e- yes. game experience. Ex- yeah. Mm-hmm. And so bring and so, us back to that. Yeah. Where'd you go so ultimately there? my um, dissertation was sort of centered around this project where I had built this system that you played with either mobile devices or computers or mm. whatever, um, and sometimes QR codes and whatever. Mm. And you would, uh, it, you would host it like at an academic or a professional conference. Yeah. And so we, uh, we uh, had the game played at several, you know, conferences and on the east coast Mm -hmm. um and uh, the idea was that you start out by sort of tagging yourself and so Mm -hmm. you give the system information about you like you know usually things that you want to talk about like i'm a undergraduate student or i'm from the university of uncc or Mm -hmm. something like that um and so you start out giving it sort of simple information and then it starts giving you missions based off of like ease of being able to find people. So it starts off with really simple missions like, you know, somebody okay. find somebody that's like a grad student or find somebody uh. that's studying computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really tries to sort of start by like, you know, whatever interests you in your own circle. Mm-hmm. Um, as you start to make connections... Um, it starts to tailor your missions towards people that are more relevant 
to you and then also progressively harder missions hmm. until okay. you reach a certain level. And then it would start to give you assassination missions where it would oh. be like you'd be at a conference and it'd be like, find this person. Um, <laughs> and, and so you would have to use your extensive network that you've collect, collected oh, at that point. Okay. Um, and then chances are it's giving you an assassination based off of somebody else that's really active in the game. And so mm. it's just like, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, you're constantly trying to make these collections, but it's, it's, um, it's keeping record of, uh, you know, the reasons that you approach this person. So what was their mission when, you know, uh, when you connected. Mm -hmm. And then I also had this like, um, display system that where in real time, it, if you were sort of playing the game, you could see like when you made a connection. So there was the conference wide network. Ooh. And you would see like, oh, you made a connection with this person. So they'd like float together and then they'd be like a little. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so you could see where you where you were in your network and you could also your sort of measure cluster. your social. Yeah, your cluster. You yeah. could measure your social importance and all of that stuff. And so it was like oh, okay. all this relevant information that's like relevant for reality, which is like at the end of the conference, you probably want, you know. To yeah. know why you talk to people besides points. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, but, uh, you know, part of the story of that dissertation was going through the iterations of people playing that game and getting carried away. And then all of the people that <laughs> were not playing the game were like, don't talk to those people. They just want to talk to you for points. Right. So, <laughs> well, I was wondering if that was a thing. I mean, yeah. anytime you get yeah. that type of pressure, I ran into some stuff like that with, uh, I mean, it's actually just what networking really is most e- of the time. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, that yeah. just. I just want to talk to you for points. Right. It's like, that's all networking <laughs> is actually. Yes. Now it's just stated somewhere yeah. that yeah. you can look at, but that's And there's a leaderboard the up on the wall that's like, <laughs> this person has all the points. Oh man. Yeah. Really Nobody talked to him. He's winning. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, did your game end up getting used and in different applications? Like I gen, I genuinely feel like that almost exactly got applied to, some gamification that um, I partook in uh, when I used to work in consulting, when we had like this big orientation ah, and cool. we had like, you could sync up your phones to, to, um, uh, to share information, to exchange information. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there was something and I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was related to that. Cause I, that when you just said that I had a flashback to like, <laughs> there was that feeling of like, don't talk to those people cause they just want to get points. So it'd be fascinating. <laughs> if they said that. I, I mean, I hope I balanced a little more for that by the time <laughs> yeah. I graduated. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, cause basically my dissertation was all about sort of designing a framework so that those types of games could exist and be socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, um, and adopted. And, yeah, and like incentivize yeah. positive interaction, right? And connection, yeah. um, because That's the awesome. whole not point, just rivalries, <laughs> right? Like the whole point was not points. The whole point was to shift your mindset so that you'd be more willing to make those connections. Yeah, um, you know, to actually sort of meet your goals. Yeah. Right. Um, and so yeah, I started going in sort of like cognitive science of like shifting people from a paratelic to a telic mindset. Paratelic being playful. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so okay. if you That's basically a new word for me today, yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard paratelic. <laughs> yes. So telic would be serious and then paratelic would be sort of like outside oh. of serious. So hmm. it's, it's okay. like playful. Yeah. And so usually, Seri- well, wait, can, let's pause on that for a second. So like telic so, being serious. Yes. 
what is so, that, what is what is serious entail from a mental perspective? Or so survival, right? So when okay. you're when you're studying, you're usually in a telic mindset, right? And so yeah. it's like the same physiological responses might you know be interpreted differently from like you know depending on what you're doing. So like if mm. you are in a telic mindset and you are um, highly, you're in a state of like high arousal, right? So yeah. if you're you know you know, it's like sort of stressing out or whatever yeah, about the big test or whatever, or you're stimulated. Or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Then, um, ultimately the telic mindset is like, probably doesn't like that that much. It's like, things should be, should relax. I should not be fighting for my life right now. <laughs> Whereas usually if you're like strung out or whatever, and you're playing a game, mm-hmm. it's the complete opposite. You're just like, oh yeah, I love this <laughs> game. This is sort of, this is crazy. I'm going to, I'm going to beat the boss or whatever. So, you, mm. so could the paratelic mindset be considered more towards like a state of flow, um, where you're just kind of like doing things and you're not actively trying to you're just kind of reacting to the situations and your mind is sort of um, almost, you know, are you familiar with Daniel Kahneman? Uh, the thinking fast and slow. Yes, yes. Yeah, how it so, kind of divides into the fast and slow brain. Um. Yeah, I mean, I like, I don't think of it as, what What was the word you used? Uh, flow? Yeah. Flow. Yeah. Um, yeah, flow is like a little different. Like flow okay. is the idea of like just sort of getting into this space where, um, time slows down because the productivity level that you've hit, like the level of learning things versus exploring or whatever, yeah. just sort of hits this nice little cadence that yeah, you're just, you're, you're going just through working. motions that you're very familiar with yeah. and your brain <laughs> is just like, yes, this is good. I'm just like, just good. Very right. little mental resistance. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think friction. that's more of what that is, is like mental resistance or friction. Yeah. Whereas sort of like these, um, the thoughts that, I was coming from was mm-hmm. that there are certain things that are going to be an- anxious or excited or high energy or low energy. Mm-hmm. And depending on what's more comfortable for the person, you can just sort of shift their mindset so that like, uh, for instance, if you're low energy and you're in a playful mindset, mm-hmm. that usually equals boredom. It's like, eh, not too much is going on. But if you're low energy okay. in a serious mindset, you're probably like, oh, I'm relaxed. Everything's cool. Yeah. It's good, mm. right? So depending on uh, what mindset okay. you're in, you can probably just use shifting effectively or purposefully, mm-hmm. you know, to just sort of kick you out of that anxiety and into more of an excitement. Yeah. And so that's pretty much what happened to me was that like talking to a 300 people, that's totally <laughs> anxiety. Yeah, it's just it's too fodder. many. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. too much. It's overwhelming. <laughs> but if it's just like, oh, I got to get all these points up so next on the leaderboard. And then more people will want to talk to me because I'm the, I'm the highest person on the leaderboard. And then I got to talk to more people. Yeah. And it's just like it becomes like boss levels and stuff like that. And I'm, it, I'm we, like, I love that. You've structured it. <laughs> so you, yes. you gave it structure. You like applied a, a model or a framework to how you need to operate in that space. Yes. So like in a game, it's levels in this situation. You're like, oh, well, now mm-hmm. I just have a points incentive. And it's a simple behavior that I need to just go talk to more people. Yes. And that's the whole purpose of play anyway. Like, and so like in the end, it's just like the world's too chaotic. There's too many like dynamic systems. You, you can't learn anything in this space. Yeah. So, you know, you play and you learn and you explore and stuff in like a little small contained box where it's just like only these things are allowed. A few things you at know? a time. I can't play <laughs> with like, all the toys. Yes. Just these three. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's a ball. You can you may only bounce the ball, but I 
could just not bounce it. No, but you must only bounce the ball. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'll so, just try to bounce it higher. Yes. <laughs> and it's like once you give it constraints and restrictions, it just becomes a lot more fun. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find that everyone responds to gamification in that type of example, like what you were working in, that everyone responds positively? Are there some people who... no I mean half of my challenge in um uh in that uh study or that series of studies was convincing people that were like leaders of certain communities Mm -hmm. that this game was okay to exist in their space Mm. um and so like you would have like the newbies like the freshmen that were going to a conference for the first time yeah they're totally anxious about like meeting people and trying to talk to Um, you know, people that might be in grad school or talk to a different professor that might help them in their career or their education or whatever. And that's just too much. And so they're just like, oh, this game, I'll just play this game and I'll just start talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're not, they're very unfamiliar with the context. Yes. Or they don't have any like preconceived notions of how to behave. Right. And it gives them an excuse. Like, I don't have to worry about all this pressure. I'm just going to play the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the downside with that was that people that were sort of already established in the community are just like, this doesn't seem like acceptable behavior you know they're not really (laughs) engaging with people the same way you would expect someone that's serious about their career to engage right and so the next phase of it was like how do I actually um uh, convince people to stealthily do this. Uh, <laughs> and then, so there was like that I- idea. And then there was also the idea of what can I bring out of the game experience and present to the people that, uh, you know, are just like, um, what, what's the word? Um, social uh, leaders or like community leaders or whatever. Yeah. Um, what can I present to them to show them that this is actually socially acceptable behavior and that what they're doing is actually positively influencing. Yeah. And so that's where sort of those blurred lines are. It's like for the people that are in deep in this ring of mm-hmm. uh, game, you know, yep. it, how do I bring them out? And then for the people that are deeply or fully removed, how do I bring them in? How do I create this sort of blurred space where everyone can coexist? Yeah. Yeah. How do I bring them in stealthily? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking of it as like two different groups, as you mentioned, one is coming in completely fresh and new and they have no rules. Mm -hmm. So it's overwhelming. Yeah. And so you give them some rules. And then on the other end of that spectrum, you have the group that already have a bunch of rules that you didn't make up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to figure out how to get them to embrace a new set of rules. Exactly. And get those two groups to meet in the middle. Yes. Mm. Um, and so I basically uh, um, sort of outlined this idea of like these sort of concentric circles. So instead of oh. a s- single circle that separates game from reality, yeah. there's just a series of circles. There's um, And, you know, this wasn't just based off of like Evie's brain meets. This was um, <laughs> extensive. Evie's brain meat? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, there's... There's literature that's going back like (laughs) several decades that sort of like outline like, um, you know, these uh, spectrums and stuff. And so I basically just sort of like previous efforts to model these, these dynamics. Yeah. And so there was Ludus, which is like deep in the game core. And then there's Pydea. And Pydea is basically, you know, sort of experimental or childish play, sort of okay. coming from the peds type what are of... These, what are these words? <laughs> I mean, like, this goes into, like, lit review. I do believe they're Latin, yes. Okay, so these, um, these are terms that you got from previous research and carried into this concept? Yes. Okay. yes. 
although <laughs> this research is pretty old, so I'm going to have to. I know that like a lot of it is based off of um, Homo Ludens um, by Johan Huizinga. It was like one of the first books that extensively like just talked about play. Oh, like, just play in humans. Just play in, in humans and yeah. like play across all of the spectrums of uh, yeah, being human. All the like, different kinds. Play of in that, law, yeah. play in um, you know, society, yeah. play in, yeah, I, education, everything. So are these words states of being? Um, yeah, they're basically the idea of um, sort of, yeah, a state of being within the context of a game or okay. a play system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this ring that I was mostly f- uh, focused on for my game, and that was called Agalma. And Agalma? Yes. Okay. A-G-A-L-M-A. Um, and, uh, it was basically the idea of seeing beauty, um, or, uh, like beauty in an experience or taking, you know, I guess an artifact of an experience. Right. So like you could think of, uh, if somebody has, um, marbles that are on their desk from like their marble collection where Uh they played marbles or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, or a baseball bat that's hanging up on their wall or whatever from like an experience or whatever so it's like the shared beauty of anybody that's ever played baseball yeah. or everybody anybody that recognizes that sim, uh signature because that was from the famous baseball player or whatever yeah there's some sort like, of like nostalgia or like a memory that gets associated or attached to that object and then yes. that is that gives it beauty yes is what, okay yeah Wait, so, that, which is why it's all subjective Right. <laughs> and so I'm just like, what is it that you can do to actually make it so that people can appreciate, like, the fact that this game or remnants or artifacts of this game take up their space? Um, because the things that they were yeah. doing pri- previously, like, in the way the game was set up, it was not making their space more beautiful. It was making yeah. it more chaotic and frustrating. Right. So, <laughs> um, so like that's when I started adding things like the sort of network effect. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, even if they saw two people interacting, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna snag you. I think the name the name of the game was Snag 'em. And uh, <laughs> yeah. snag em. that is awesome. Snag em. <laughs> yeah. And I go, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna snag you. And um, then you would see like their little avatars on the screen. Just sort of, you know, come and make a connection. Yeah. yeah. So I'm getting very animated over here. Like, yeah. Gesticulating a lot. Yeah. What was it that ended up making people, the the established leaders, more comfortable? Is it like you just said people seeing uh, – were you saying that when they're like, I'm, you know, there's there's a, a result of you see people coming together and they liked that? Or, yes. Okay. Um, so that made people – when they would see like little, um, you know, connections being made real time, that would yeah. start a, that would usually spark a conversation of like, so why did these two people talk yeah, to each other? Each like, other? how do you know each other or whatever? <laughs> and so you would end up with like these little pods all uh-huh. around like the sessions yeah. and stuff like that, where yeah. they would just be like, you know, uh, oh yeah, look, um, that person I know just made a connection and then they'd just like start playing and then yeah. they would go on about their business. It seems like that takes advantage of like a fundamental sort of aspect of human in psychology or like ego is that you can often it's hard to tell somebody to do a thing mm-hmm. if they already feel like they know what they're doing yeah but if you show them or like they see somebody else doing that thing and they see some sort of benefit coming from it yes. then they decide on their own it becomes their idea and they're like well, well i'm gonna go do that now yeah right <laughs> <laughs> and it just Indeed. brings them 
or it seems like it brings them into the game. Like I would imagine that what people don't like is suddenly they're the ones not in the inner circle when yeah. everyone else is playing this game because yes. they haven't needed it. And so mm. then it's like, you know, what are these kids doing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that's how, yeah. <laughs> all these youngins. Yeah. snappers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got called a whippersnapper one <laughs> time. Yeah, really? at work. Whoa. Yeah, I got, what? I don't think I've ever heard that word actually used seriously. Yeah, <laughs> no, I literally it was like I, I feel like I was out to a client dinner and I was you know it was like my first year and work the work life and consulting oh. career and I think somebody was like ah you young whippersnapper and I I truly <laughs> I didn't know what that word meant and so I was just like. <laughs> Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that good? Yeah. yeah. What? Awkward. I, yeah. <laughs> like, What'd you call me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it means. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whippersnapper. I don't. <laughs> no, like ankle biter makes more sense. Like, ankle biter. Yeah, Whoa, I've heard people I've, being called ankle biter, like kids never, or whatever. Because like, they're short? They're short. Like, they're, they're little, little short, little yippy things. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little <laughs> like, if he had called me like, that, little, I would have been very upset. <laughs> right, because you can you actually understand well, what that implies. It's <laughs> like you're just this little thing that's biting people's ankles being like... Annoying. I feel like that would have been more accurate, but but more, for me more close to the truth, <laughs> yeah. but more offensive. Yes. Right. <laughs> Can you hear you? Ankle biter. <laughs> oh god. Anyways. Oh. Yeah. So did you continue? Sure. So you wrote your dissertation on all of this, and mm-hmm. then what what came after that? I mean, you graduate. Was that when mm-hmm. you got your PhD? Or was yep. okay? That was when yeah. I got my PhD. Pokemon Go happened. And Pokemon <laughs> Go happened a couple of years later. Several yeah. years later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Did you so, continue thinking about pervasive games? Have you been, has that transferred mm-hmm. a lot into what you work in now? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, like, um, you know, like I, a lot of that research is sort of used in the way that I think about like, um, uh, virtual reality systems and like how we're going to interface with our technology in the future. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm sort of thinking about yeah. like, uh, how are AR and VR headsets like? How are they going to converge? Are they going to converge? What are they going to be good at? Like, yeah. you know, we we got into this conversation with Tom uh, during one of these recordings where we were talking about he he just he stated it very nicely that uh, you have like base reality or real reality at one end of the spectrum, and then mm-hmm. you have full virtual or immersed reality in the other end. Yeah, uh, but. AR is just part of that same spectrum somewhere in between in right. varying degrees. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly the way I think about it. So, yeah, AR, it basically it just represents where um, reality is in the forefront. And then all of the designed content or virtual content is mostly to assist yeah. in reality. Enhancing or, enhancing or adding to right? somehow. Whereas a VR experience, the focus in the forefront is the designed or curated experience. Yeah. And the environment doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Which is why they're just like, make sure you got lots of space. Because we have no idea where you are. Yeah, like if you're doing room scale, <laughs> yeah. or you're like walking around, you're gonna bump into shit. Yeah, <laughs> just keep a mental map of where the walls are, because otherwise you're gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking of, we, have, we don't <laughs> care about your reality. We, we literally. <laughs> that's the spectrum. We had this problem earlier. Uh, we were trying to. I was trying to experience your uh, melody, melody, your yeah. marimba. I wanted. I wanted to play the virtual marimba, and I was like, "Oh, the music's great." And as soon as I loaded in, we're in we're in her tiny office. Oh, it's so small. So like, I, the it's like step it's, into this spot, and I was like, "Oh no, that's <laughs> that's through the wall that I know is in front of me. Oh, okay. I can't get there." It wasn't. What was really funny about it is it's like it is such a small office, you know. And these this is such a frustrating thing for us these days, you know, because right it's like now, I have VR, the yeah. Rift. Um, the Oculus Rift headset. And it's like, I have it set up at my computer because I'll edit 360 with that one. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, if you're trying to like quickly try out a Rift experience or something, well, to really do it, what I should do is move it into the living room, try and set it up with my laptop. But then like the laptop kind of overheats. So you know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's all these various issues. Um, and what I really need is to get like a second computer for the living room or something or or just, just the holodeck. Just, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Just get an extra room. That's just like, just nothing but walls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that would be nice. That is the ideal. Like this is is the VR room. Yeah. Yeah. This is is the VR. This is where we, we journey to other places. Right. Nothing else. I do hope that how, I mean, houses are starting to have those now. Yes. Um, important, but in the city, it's <laughs> very hard to afford. I'm extra just space. like, Mike, I can't fit you here anymore <laughs> because I need a VR room. So, so I'm getting rid of the bed the and house. I'm sleeping on the floor. Yeah, the house I'm in now, I basically had to choose between. So there was like a bonus room, which would have. Mm-hmm. Theoretically made a perfect holodeck. And then there was like the... Ho- I've never... I didn't know that that's what that meant. A yeah. holodeck. Yes. It's a space dedicated to virtual. Yeah. It's you a central space. Like yeah. virtual experience. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Go into that room, put on your headset, and you're somewhere else. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a holodeck. Yes. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, I was basically between like this uh, this bonus room and my, my master bedroom. And I was just like, well... The master bedroom has the space that I want. Like this bonus room is too small for VR still. And so I basically just moved like all of my bed and like you know, everything into that bonus room. Yeah. And so I was like no space in there. There's just like, You're like it's just the it's bed just and a like bed open and the door. Yeah, yeah. barely. It's like, then, it's like a closet that you managed yeah. to put a bed into. Yes. And then the master bedroom is this giant expanse. Oh my like, god, that's amazing. You're like, I don't need I don't need real things. In my living space. I don't care when I can about have virtual reality in my living such. space. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be asleep when I'm in this bed. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. That's probably what we should have done. That's actually how I feel about my living spaces right now. Hmm. And you know, it's probably because I'm not sharing it with someone else that has different yeah. feelings on this. But I'm like, yeah, you know, if I have a closet big enough to fit my whole bed in it comfortably. I would just put the whole bed in the closet, and then I have this huge room that I can do all kinds of other things with. I just I don't flash need forward to like bringing a girl yeah. home from a date, and you're like, so you open the closet with like a half folded mattress, and you're like, this is the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, and this is this is the activity room. That's, this is it's my life. This is the hollow deck. Oh I mean, you walk in, and you immediately see like. 
16 game consoles, all ranging from like Atari 2600 to like modern day. And oh it's gosh. just like that. This is, this is my world. This, this is, is totally <laughs> yeah. reminding me. There was a movie, and I think it was made in like the 80s or the, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like about society in the near future when basically everything is in vir- when we do everything in virtual reality. It's a ready player one. It's not ready player one. This is older. It was okay. made, it was made in like the eighties or nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's an older movie. It's I'm like, is it smart room or smart house? Do you remember that? Smart house? Uh, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> a metaverse like, movie nah, made in the eighties or nineties. Yeah. So like okay. I, I specifically remember the scene because you mentioned bringing someone home to mm-hmm. your, your hollow deck room and your bed is in a separate room. <laughs> Uh, this, the, the scene that I remember, and this may have had, uh, Sylvester Stallone in it. What? Uh, maybe it wasn't him. <laughs> Either way, the two of the, the, it's, it's a guy and a girl and they're like coming home after having a date or something like that. And like, they're going to get down and get busy. But <laughs> the guy, okay. I think, I think the guy, the guy is from the past. So like somehow he, he got woken up from like cryo sleep or something into this new future. Yeah. And people don't actually have sex anymore. Like not physically, they, she's like, okay, we're going to put on these headsets and then enjoy a virtual experience. And he's oh, like, like what? New episode what of are Black you Mirror. talking about? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. But like, this is like Two people friends. like socially aren't like actually physically engaging with one another that yeah. way is, is weird at, in their society now mm. because mm. people only have virtual intimacy at this point. Mm. So like they both go home to the bedroom and then, and then she's like, we're going to put on these two headsets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So you like, have to figure out what movie that is. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I mean, remember. that would certainly make life a lot more convenient. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. and now I have a backup of you, so I don't need you anymore. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what the what the implication was as far as like, could you just pretend like there was another person interacting with you? Right. It's like in virtual space. Yeah, if it's you that just, convincing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, there's teledildonics. That's like a whole... Teledildonics? Yeah. What? Okay, so I don't... I don't know I those mean, words. You gotta <laughs> explain those no, no, words no, we gotta to go, me. We gotta go into this. Teledildonics I mean, is, I think I know where you're going, but... Well, it's just... It's... it's I, I'm probably gonna mess this up, but it's like... My understanding is that it's basically that you can virtually please each other. Like so you control a toy. You control a toy, essentially. Oh, or you control person. things... And so, so it like if literally you're, if you're remote, is exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Right. And, Tele- and, <laughs> I, I can't so, say that. And who came up okay. with that name? Because <laughs> they, they had fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What were, those, what, were those, what were those other two words you were talking about? It's like teleplay. No. Oh, tele- telic versus paratelic. Paratelic. This is obviously a state of play. Yes. <laughs> this is a it depends on it depends on your approach jake yeah yeah maybe yeah. this is a more serious <laughs> but um but yeah what? i mean i feel like that kind obviously so so obviously there's going- <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> okay 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 just because you need to keep you just transformed your entire dissertation yeah i just like, <laughs> I, I, there's so many like detours my brain can go in. Right, just I well, can't. it's like you got to look up all of the all of the various options. Like, there's obviously going to be a range of what it means yeah. to have yes. like a teledildonic. Because there's thing. already a range of like 
uh, interfaces, toys. Right. Well, because I'm sure like it, it, and, and the range is probably sits on like, how much do you actually want to interact with a person versus not? Meaning like yeah. ultimate, like you can have it so that let's say you have a long distance relationship that you're connecting that way, but yeah. then, so you're actually connecting people, but then there's probably the other end of the spectrum, which is just like, I don't need a person. Like, it's just like a robot that's controlling the thing that pleases you or something like that, uh, you know, or a yeah. computer. So, yeah. so ultimately I guess the coming back that if, if all of those exist and that's a whole industry and people are working on products within that, yeah. well, all you should do is pair that with like some sort of visual stimulation yeah. or a visual replica. And then, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe like, we'll <laughs> yeah. eventually get to the point where, where somehow we figured out how to trigger the other senses besides just like visual auditory and I guess the proprioception involved in, in actual like toys or interactions, mm-hmm. dolls, whatever. Um, but like, there's also the there's all of the other senses that go along with that kind of experience that I feel like you'd have to have some sort of virtual experience that's tricking more of the brain than we've currently figured out how. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you can definitely get things done I without mean, that much. romance <laughs> novels have figured out how to trick the brain. Well, that's, you know? that's, so that's your brain tricking do. itself. That's your own imagination. Like you right, but I'm that saying that. But I'm saying that if all you, all you got to do is somehow trigger the same things that romance novels do, and that's going to replace. Because I got, I thought that what you were getting at is like, <clears throat> it's one thing to have the physical. It's mm-hmm. one thing to have the the just the kind of um, surface level visual. But then there's like the romance. But if oh, like if, the emotional side, right, the of, emotional connection. I thought that's what gotcha. you were saying. It would need to like also access. And I'm like, but all it oh, needs no, to do I is. <laughs> yes, that's another. That's You're an- like, oh, romance. Oh, what? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure most guys versus most girls think of smut the same way. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking uh, in we generality, can, I, 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 romantic. Yeah. I, could, I could make I could make a strong argument that that's not that. You know, well, there's a lot of uh, there's heteronormativity across our culture, right. in particular in the West, uh, <laughs> that has been normalized by our our background and. Things have been changing and opening up in that regard in so many different ways. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> what does that mean? What did you meaning, just say? Meaning that. <laughs> I, well, because there, there's, like, ten, there's. Don't box me in. Yeah, I can yeah, be romantic if yeah. I want. Basically, That's what I he feel. Said. Because I think we were, <laughs> okay. we were having Which a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were literally having a conversation about this uh, a little while ago that, like, the, ten, the typical assumption um, is that, like, guys were traditionally just like more about uh well less about the emotional side and kind of objectify the opposite sex and the you know the the concept of their attraction and women tended to be more into the emotional attachment but like i obviously the reality is much more blended yes um, and blurred than that so i just i'm glad that society's perception is really starting to open up in that regard indeed indeed so I, I approve of your words. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah>. may stay. <laughs> yeah. all, all of that is to say that I don't, I don't put myself in that sort of like typical box of just like being attracted to a certain set of. That's true. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, yeah. All right. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> if I were, if I were creating a VR experience at some point in the future that was meant to be, 
as immersive as possible, it would also include an, an emotional element of like develop, like you, if there's not some sort of connection, then like to me, that's missing something. Mm. That's like missing a trigger point. Do you like date sims? De- no. No. What's okay. date? Not really. Like a dating sim. Like, um, oh, date oof, sim. That's, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot. Of, like, there's a lot of those, like episodes or um, what's what's that one? There was one I was just, I was just like all about it on my phone for a while. I don't even oh, know. Okay. I'm normally not. Like, well, I, don't, I'm, I don't I'm really curious like, though. Yeah. What is, like, what are those for for you? What is what do those look like? Because I've um, not really okay. Engaged. So, uh, I mean, it's basically one of those where it's like there's uh, like the, I guess the standard sort of structure to them uh-huh. is that um, you have you have these sort of ongoing stories that are sort of played back as like narratives. So people yeah. are you know you interact with a person. And then you get to choose, like, you know, what your responses to the things that they're doing and the plot that they're. Yeah. 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 And then based off of that, um, you know, the it's it's sort of like the dialogue sort of determines where the story goes and where it ends up. And so it's like you can sort of um, decide which um, which relationships you think are most important, even the ones like like I, I don't know. The one that I got really hooked on, it was because like I started out. With it was like there's this dude who's just supposed to be like so so awesome and he's like <laughs> he's like the king or something he's the king of his his like I don't know his own country and uh, you're supposed to clearly just be in love with this dude and I'm just like I'm not gonna be in love with this fucking dude yeah <laughs> like you know it's so everything I'm doing is just like to just you know for his spite. advances yeah. just in spite of this dude and then there's like this little character this little um this girl character comes in and she's just like, you know, very um, soft spoken and all of this stuff. And it just seems like she's the furthest away from a relationship that you can have. But I'm just like, (laughs) but she, they did say she looked at me. So (laughs) now I'm going to do everything in my power. And they made it so hard, (laughs) so hard to like form a relationship with this girl. But yeah, I ended up marrying her in that one. So you did manage to. Yes, I did. And I actually spent real money. Oh. (laughs) Which is something I never do with like like, I paid a dowry. (laughs) I did. They literally wanted my credit card number and my social security. So the way they get you, um, because normally I don't think I've ever paid money for like a game on a mobile phone before. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that they get you is uh, you can you can um, play the story however you want. Yeah. Um, But. There are like certain, eventually there's certain sort of like premium directions that you can go, but you can, you can pay for it either by collecting that currency by playing some of their other stories, Mm -hmm. or you can just pay a dollar so you can have that premium story. And Uh, yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, so am I going to spend like 20 (laughs) hours playing some other story I don't care about, or or I'm just going to pay the dollar and then, (laughs) and then have this premium experience. So I I started out by playing out. Yes, it was worth it. So, (laughs) but yeah, that's how they get you. And I don't think that all of the premium uh, experiences have any like bearing on the final like I, I started noticing like there was once where it was just like they they clearly got me because it was like this okay there was this red panda and it was like she she 
buys me a red panda and she's just like trending right now yeah i know i know everybody likes red pandas for whatever reason and so um she what? buys me Is this a red panda um it's like it's it's it like is. a i don't know like a i mean it's not a panda it's like it looks no, like a raccoon type thing like yeah. a really really cute raccoon okay it's red okay, okay. Yeah. and it climbs trees and Rolls over. Okay. It's got like yeah. big fluffy paws. It's like the the ideal form of animal to just like get just, you as a human to feel like, oh my I gosh, that's so cute. Well, yes. I just want it. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, I just want to crush it. It's so cute. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, the character in this game buys me a red panda and she's just like, yeah, I rescued it. And they're like, do you want to keep the red panda? And it's like, what happens to the red panda <laughs> if go? I don't, where does it go if I don't say yes? And it's like premium if you keep it. And oh. I'm just like, well, I, I, I want to save the red <laughs> panda. It was, she saved it from whatever and she rescued it. And I'm like, ah. and then I'm like, well, clearly this is going to matter in the story. If I <laughs> keep her red, pa- it yeah. did not matter at all. It was just you a just, money grab. It was just like, here's yeah. a picture of a really cute panda. And then whenever like the little message came up that was like, do you want the red panda? It was like the little eyes got super big and like oh wiggly. God. Oh yeah. With like, the, like the glistening. Glistening sort of like, eyes. And I'm just like, oh my God, are you serious? Man, they got you yeah, good. They got wow. me. They got me. And it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. <laughs> I heard of a popular dating sim recently called Boyfriend Dungeon. Have you played that? <laughs> a boyfriend I think you would label it, it. I I might. I hope I'm not mislabeling, mislabeling it because uh-huh. I haven't played it. Okay. But I watched someone give like a short, it was like part of a talk at one point. And then so I, I've heard great things about it and it sounded awesome. And my understanding is oh. it's like, it is a, a dating simulation and a relationship building type of game, but that it is uh, pretty unique because of, I mean, it was built mostly by females and it's called Boyfriend Dungeon. So I feel oh. like I'm not, <laughs> this, this I'm not quite sure. Delightful. Yeah. I yeah. feel like you would like it. So you should check it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so. my God. I'm actually really curious about your, have you, have you been on Steam recently? Um to see a lot of like the VR content. I mean, not even just VR. On Steam, there is, I guess, and on like Oculus Store and Vive and a lot of these different I spend different more time platforms. on the Oculus Store. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of games right now uh, that focus around dating simulation in oh, various forms. Okay. There's also a number of them that have been made in like VR type experiences. Okay. Um, and... Often there's there's almost a little bit of there's a lot of controversy around some of them because uh, particularly when they're made by a heavily like male team, you've got a game where you're in a 3D world and you can, you can basically act things. super creepy around. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> potential significant other. So like, yeah. I'm I'm trying to figure out where to place those kinds of experiences in my mind. And particularly when you are an individual that is interacting with a digital uh, image or like a digital representation of a person, but uh, the types of like social norms and things that are reasonable in real life can't necessarily be enforced or aren't being enforced in (laughs) a cultivating or like a 
healthy way. <laughs> right. Yeah. They like that, that kind of stuff like really bothers me because it's so easy, like, um, in VR to yeah. just sort of like use an experience like that to sort of shape the culture of like how you interact with people in that space. So, yeah. um, like, I mean, yeah, I remember there was this one experience that was made by like, I think it was the dead or alive team. Um, oh, and yeah. yeah, it was like a <laughs> beach ball or yep. something like that. Yep. And yeah, wow. anytime you touched her, even though it, like that wasn't the primary focus of the experience, even though I think it kind of was, but, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, when you yeah. touch her, she's just like, ah, no, stop. And I'm like, okay, wow. So basically what you've done uh. is given a positive or a reaction, which yeah, in, some sort in of VR is always, yeah, stimulating reaction is yeah. always positive in your mind when you're, you know, playing Because like it's that. just interaction. Right. And there's always limited interaction yes. in the environment. And so you're just you. like, okay, well, this does nothing but touching her boobs is like giving me a response. So yeah. clearly this is the right thing to do. It's just <laughs> even when she says no. And it's like, well, so you're, okay, yeah, and wow. Yeah, it becomes like yeah. a harassment <laughs> Right. And so worst case, somebody sort of takes that and just decides that's what culture is now yeah. um and then like i guess the best case is that that is the acceptable um type of experience in vr which is still pretty bad because like yeah. there's plenty of people that are, like there's plenty of these experiences where there's multiple people in vr mm -hmm. and we've been i don't know like you're kind especially, of normalizing yeah you're normalizing things good like, social dynamics <laughs> and we've already learned this mistake from like <clears throat> you know regular video games is like regular video games is kind of like toxic for you know like uh women and uh, stuff well, to just be in objectification yeah and, objectification and people just go yeah. <laughs> nuts in it and it's yeah. like well we have the opportunity to do better and then people make stuff like that so yeah it's pretty so I've, pretty frustrating I, that i've been trying to think of like ways that that if you're building an experience like that that you avoid or or just kind of like incentivize different behavior or yes. healthier behaviors mm -hmm. um and if those if teams that are building those kinds of experiences are just not if like that's kind of the intent <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if it's just that those those kinds of problems become magnified in VR. Because yes. they were they were already issues in video games because you control your your angle and the way that you're viewing things and the way that you interact with the environment. And it's not necessarily a real person on the other side. Uh so you can shape your experience. But in VR you can do that even more and it's more convincing. So yeah. like how do we carry over lessons from uh video games in that regard and then also expand upon what VR entails. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think about that too. Like, uh, I mean, one of the easiest solutions is like the worst response. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I think that what frustrated me the most mm -hmm. is that when you went to grab the girl or whatever, she said, no, but there was no really counter to that. Yeah. There's and so no it was physical like, stopping you. Right. Like, there's, there's nothing to actually. Yeah. And up. so, yeah, it, it's like, so ultimately, like, if they had just not coded that response where it's just like, oh, your hand stops moving once you're in a certain region or whatever. Yeah. And instead, like, you know, uh, high, 
fives or handshakes or something like that yeah. is is rewarded, then that's the experience. That's what you want to do in that experience. Yeah. So um, you 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 so, reward positive interactions, right? If you're dealing with some sort of very uh, like convincing social social situation like that, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's going to be uncomfortable for everyone. Like if, imagine if some like squeaking noise came out whenever you just reach for someone's junk. It was just. <laughs> like, like that was like just a creating screech. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> like, uh, yeah, oh but it like encourages it. Is right. what you're if saying that's because all you're you like, get. isn't this hilarious? Yes, it's like yeah, yeah. versus yeah. and then versus either not allowing it or doing something that's actually annoying. Like yeah. every time you do that it's like game over and you have to start over or right. something like that yeah 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 i mean and then as, as soon as you introduce the multiplayer channel everybody's just going to be reaching around just and you're just like i hate this i'll never come back so squeaky uh, jack yeah, i'm just imagining rubber ducks squeaky jack oh, no i, what that game I imagine that's going to be like somebody's easter egg now it's like yeah you can unlock this cheat and now you, everybody has squeaky scream. genitals like yeah oh my god <laughs> you shouldn't do that the, the do lesson it. of today yeah, is yeah. don't well, the worst do part that, is that we think that's funny because most likely somebody's not going to build that one yeah. that's right. the worst part i'm like well we can laugh at that one but yeah <laughs> Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> but it's much more likely people will build the crappy ones where you're objectifying women. Yeah. So, well, yeah. But I mean, I need to like try and <laughs> save us from <laughs> save this conversation, from our derailment. Because <laughs> uh, honestly, I can't even go back to the AR thing. I don't even know where we came from. <laughs> but I'm not, <laughs> like, we were on a spectrum and we got a, derailed. I have an idea. I have an or, idea too, ahead, but go for it. No, wow. your turn. Because I, I, I had kind of asked the question about the dating. Well, stuff, I was so. just, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say you have typically created things that are not like squeaky junk. That's <laughs> true. So going just back snatch to it. Snatch you. Because like, oh, no. <laughs> not going to do that. Because in our timeline of your life, we were exiting college you had gotten your phd you did your dissertation on pervasive games but you weren't were you working in vr yet or when did you start working in vr oh when did i start working in vr vr would have come into play around 2014 i believe it was when yeah. like the dk2 came out yes or it was when the oculus dk2 came out because yeah. i went to a facebook hackathon that was my first time trying oh, to it. yeah okay yeah nice and did you have any interest in vr before that um, uh, moderate. Um, so yeah, before that, like there was like a couple of, um, GDCs that I had gone to where it was like, ah, oh, new VR headset, something or other. And yeah. so stood in line for mm. half my day <laughs> yeah. and then put on their prototype. Uh, I think it was like, yeah, I don't even yeah. think it was a DK2, but it was like the initial Oculus. The DK1. And, I yeah. Guess. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, <laughs> no. So, <laughs> this isn't there yet. Um, <laughs> not yet <laughs> right right i don't think i was sold until the vive um, okay. and so i got to try the vive mm. for the first time and i think that experience was the whale experience the whale so, uh, yeah oh blue, the yeah blue. yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. That was, oh. but that's because i i think i never had a vive they were so exclusive you know yes like fives were just obviously really expensive, but also and then and then they had exclusive content, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of I ended up getting the rift for free. 
Oh. Somebody, just, somebody like accidentally bought two. They're like, do you want one? And I was like, <laughs> accidentally <laughs> bought Yeah, it was actually oh. really nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, – so, okay, so so you started playing around with the vibe and you're like, okay, this this has some promise, but how you yeah. like, I mean, then until now, it's like you've you've dove into the VR world. Yes. So, how how did how did you even end up like liking it that much? What really got you into it? Mm, I think it was the first time that I beamed myself into my own like game where mm. like the it world and stuff that I had built you I was standing modeled in. out and yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden you're there. And so, yeah, oh. and like at that point, that was transformative because yeah. I was like, I can't imagine playing games any other way no. now. I mean, that, that was pretty naive <laughs> of me because yeah. it was, I wasn't really thinking about some of the, the, uh, um, drawbacks or some of the like limitations limitations of, yeah. of the system. Yeah. But that, that moment of mm. just feeling like I was actually, I was actually in a game that I had built. Yeah. Um, I'm just that like, was, this is what I want. This is what <laughs> this I want. Is the I, yeah. I want people to not be able to go back to reality when they play my game. They're stuck in here <laughs> with me and my experiences and what I've designed for them. Yeah. yeah. They, can't, they can't look away. If you look away, you'll just see more of me. So <laughs> I just want to remove that frustration from people. Like I remember like going and being in my room all night, just playing video games and stuff. And then my mom would be like, it's time to eat and You're then go like, to bed. And I'm just like, ah, no, yeah. what if I could just have it with me all the time? Hmm. Then I don't have to be in my room and be like, uh, like isolated. Yeah. I can just be at the kitchen table. Mom could be talking at me and I can still be in my game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, she just becomes like an NPC. It's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Mom's an NPC. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want I mean, for the future children yeah. of she, Mom's America. Mom's a non-player character. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> she's just an NPC. Don't think of her as a mom. Just yeah. <laughs> Don't think of cleaning your room you, as a chore. Told- it's like you are mining for better gear. <laughs> have you told your mom that? No. Yeah, I was like, any Never. parents. I feel like <laughs> she would come to my house and burn all of my consoles. Yes. This isn't helping the case for, you know, making VR pervasive, you know, like everyone's going to be like, well, yeah. I don't want that. Well, so, so the, but they, they are no. on that whole same spectrum. So like VR is on this sort of continuum from the base reality that people are trying video games are the escape from yeah. in some in some perception. I I definitely like played lots of RPGs and things growing up where I'm just like oh, I just want a more and more immersive open world. Yeah. I want to like get deeper and deeper like more lost into this space, yes. this imaginary place because you can do anything basically. Yeah. Um but what is it I mean how do we how do we enable that through things like VR and then also kind of combine that sort of endless continuum of possibilities with existing reality because it's already so rich yeah. and like we can layer things on top of it and enhance it with AR yes. and that whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say that uh, like what I'm really excited about, mm-hmm. if you can imagine 15 years into the future where you yeah. either have like uh, contacts or some kind of implant or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. where you've basically got, AR and VR capabilities built in. You're on. You've got the capability of that yes. whole spectrum. So it's basically AR that can go fully opaque. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I can basically see a world where someone could be having a uh, VR experience and it's using sort of like the adjusting, you know, how you, they'll sort of walk forever, like. Oh, it, like non-Euclidean space? Right. Or, oh. Um, well, no, it's. Um, oh. It's the thing it's, where it tries to make you feel like you're walking in a straight line. Is yes, that what you're talking about? That so one. It, I forget what it's called, but it like turns you slightly so that yeah. you can't feel the turn. So it feels like you're walking straight, but you're walking in yeah. circles yes. because Which you're limited on space. You do mm-hmm. need a certain amount of space to achieve that without and be convincing, don't you? Uh, yes, you but I've seen, I've... I've seen research where they were detecting obstacles in real time, like, and you know, adjusting and for adjusting the... so Ooh. that you would potentially like walk around like a chair or yeah. walk, whatever, yeah. still fully immersed in your experience. Yeah. Um, um there was and a, so, well, that, yeah, hold yeah, on, yeah. hold go, go, on, go, go, because yeah. that <laughs> sounds like a terrifying and unsafe environment where people can be robbed just be, all the time. Yeah, everyone's so, super vulnerable. <laughs> so that's not exactly where I'm going. But ultimately what I'm getting at is the idea that um, if you need an experience where, like, for instance, an AR experience where it's just like, um, you know, you go to the bathroom and then your cameras detect that your uh, your mouthwash is low. And then it doesn't really alert you to that. But the next time you go to the grocery store or you pass by it, it's just like, oh, yeah, hey, remember, hey, make sure you, you got to get some of that. Yeah. Right. So you have this sort of AR that like sort of helps you like remember things, but also ultimately gets out of your way. You don't see it all the time, just only when you need it. Yeah. Which I mean, that's like building a bunch of layers of different systems and AI that would help to detect those kinds of changes in your environment. Yeah. But then your experiences that are like fully engaged where it's just like, okay, um, you know, now I've got to actually learn this sort of like physics thing for homework or whatever. And it puts you in a spatial representation of like, you know, Uh, or whatever. And so it's like, if you need things like spatial, visual, spatial representations to actually learn better. Like a modal um, of the planets or something, like literally the yes. solar system floating in front of you. Mm-hmm. Or magnetic waves or something yeah, yeah. where it's like, you know, there's Linear a really... Linear algebra. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, a com- there's, a, um, there's a concept that you have to actually get a hold of quickly, but you also, it would help if there was some spatial representation of it or a different type of representation because you could take something that is audio and turn it into something visual or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like you, our uh, capacity and our sort of cognitive load would just be greatly diminished in learning certain tasks and becoming familiar with things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you also get the added benefit in VR of empathy. So if you completely curate an experience and then say, you know, well, uh, it's really hard for me to just talk to you about like what this person's going through mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but here's pretty much a day in the life or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Like Let's getting put you across in this person's shoes. Yes. Yeah. Getting across emotional ideas or just like understanding of like human, um, you know, just differences in humans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that, that kind type of engagement would be, very valuable. And mm-hmm. then you'd be able to have those sorts of types of short experiences or whatever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of the power of, a, of many of the concepts that you just described is really helped by the technology, like the hardware being more pervasive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas right now it's very limited because of how bulky and large headsets are. And the fact that the, uh, the sort of transition 
between just sitting here with no augmented reality mm-hmm. to putting on some sort of headset uh, and then actually having that sort of augmented experience or doing a full virtual experience. Yeah. It's it's a clunky uh, step between each one of those. Yes. And it's not convenient. But what you're talking about is a sort of fully integrated mm-hmm. uh, spectrum of interactions and like enhancing in the grocery store that you have the mouth or you need to get that mouth mouthwash. Yes. So it's like, hey, that shelf over there, boop, boop, there's a little thing. Right. And it notifies so, you. Yeah. I, I think that all of this technology, VR and AR, has mm. the ability to sort of bring people closer to their environment than they've ever been before. Yeah. Um, and so even though VR sort of gives you the initial impression of being sort of isolating, um, you know, you can potentially have you know, a metaverse, yeah. hundreds of people in the same, same shared experience, um, and a same curated experience too. Mm-hmm. So you can think of it like a synthetic experience where you could potentially do something where it's like, uh, people that are wearing, um, you know, clothing that you don't want your children to see, you just blur it out. Yeah. Because they've got <laughs> bad words on their shirt or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then there's yeah. censorship in your in your world. That's kind of crazy to think about. You yeah, know? like yeah. the second you get the ability yep. to censor and the more real it becomes, obviously then there's there's no a, yeah, there's always a certain like flip side to it where it's just yeah. like, oh, that's terrifying. And, and I love Black Mirror for that. Well, yeah. yeah. Say, <laughs> the episode of Black Mirror, uh, that is basically like HoloLens. Um, and it was called a playtest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that one where he's like stuck in a ho- horror experience? Yes, I remember that oh, one. Man. <laughs> that's a good yep. one. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's like anytime I just think of what could go wrong, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's the ultimate is that you're just stuck in a in a world and you can't get out and you can't, you can't, yeah. you think it's real, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, so yeah. I was thinking about, um, specifically the episode where there's two people that are having this, um, ongoing relationship over time and they have those contacts that mm-hmm. are basically full AR to VR. The San Junipero episode? No. The, although that no. one's, that one's that really was, cool and was wonderful. like a feel good yes. episode. I'm thinking of the one specifically where it was their relationship dynamic and they ended up blocking, uh, one another. So, like, the one person in the relationship was blocked because the other one was just tired of fighting over the thing or whatever the conflict was. Okay. And so, like, literally, just like you would block somebody on, like, Facebook or social networking now because you don't want to see them or, like, hear anything from them. They were literally, like, blurred out and muted in real life. Because that person just didn't want to deal with the interaction, <laughs> which is like a kind of extreme and like exaggerated right. form of that. But if you're talking about uh, censoring things in the real world around people with mm-hmm. AR, yeah. then you quickly get into that sort of ethical territory of how, how much fragmentation into our own little subjective bubbles are we right. going to enable through yes. this? And, and I think that that's like... Yeah, for every good, there's always, like, you know, a potential. Yeah. Like, that's just the way technology works, right? Well, it, it exposes um, our, our own ethical dilemmas. Right. <laughs> it's like, here you've got this there. thing <laughs> yeah. where it's just, like, you could potentially give someone a high, high contrast vision if they have color, color blindness. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's, that's pretty great. But yeah. then, you know, if you start, like, sort of compounding these things, then mm-hmm. people typically won't have shared experiences anymore. Like, you know, if you can imagine a world where, um, you know, the, once you step outside, 
Uh, if it's too cold and doesn't really match your ideal temperature, it just sort of warms you up a little bit. Yeah. If it's, there's too much the sunlight, it gives you a blue filter and all of that stuff. <laughs> and so you have no concept of whether it's actually raining or sad or dreary like outside. Like your environment doesn't like, even matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Right. You're, you're in the optimal zone of functionality and productivity. But the offside <laughs> of that is that you have no idea what it's like to actually live and like, maybe there's like no variation yeah. is actually really freaking boring. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, you would probably script in your own variation for maximum. Happiness. Yeah, I was gonna say I would just. So, <laughs> but I do think we have a natural ability to really understand like what we need from the real world versus the virtual world in a lot of ways, and like mm-hmm. when, when we overdo it. Sometimes, like I was just watching some random show um that's like a a two people dating in virtual reality like they they go on a blind date oh yeah i forget the name of the show i I saw that yeah Yeah, it was like on facebook or something Mm -hmm. and i watched one of the episodes and this this uh this there they have um all of the you know motion trackers attached to them and all of this stuff so so they they're going on a date, like essentially in a, in a motion captured studio yeah, <laughs> with headsets on yeah. and they have this world and they, they did prep work, obviously. So the prep work is that they're selecting their ideal date. Like um, appearance and everything. Of the yeah. Like person? what someone would look like. Gotcha. Oh, and so they're like, so they're like, different. Oh, I want this person to look this way and, and all of this stuff. And then Ooh, yeah. they get into the world and they're like, Oh, uh, and they're like with each other. They haven't seen each other yet. They're, they're going on this date, walking around with each other. And, uh, and he's like, well, you know, when I created on a screen and then in real life, it's like, she has giant boobs and, you know, she's blonde and all this stuff. And then like, while they're talking, he's like, um, she's like, Oh, you made me have giant boobs and I'm blonde, you know? And, and he's like, yeah. She's like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. I'm judging you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm judging you. And, and, uh, and like, she was like, I'm brunette. Uh, and he, and it was funny because afterwards when they talked about it, it was like, she couldn't get over that. And I think he did ultimately, feel pretty bad for like what he had done. You know, he was like, oh, oh this like <laughs> <laughs> like she was the absolute opposite of what he had created as yeah. like his ideal date and and all of that. And even with her, I think there were some I was things say, where what was the other um, side of that too. I mean, I feel like she just it wasn't as exciting, meaning like yeah. she just kind of created like a a normalish dude, and I don't know, <laughs> dad bod. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, not a dad bod. I mean, I think she didn't go crazy, and part of that might have been uh, limitations of what they could create for these characters. Who knows? Yeah. Mm. But um, both of them kind of felt a little bit weird about that coming to life like that being made so like real for them right seeing their yeah desire is shown in front yeah. of them i feel like that's a setup for failure like if yeah. you're just like it's like oh design the perfect par- person and someone you don't know it's completely random is going to be on a date with you I'm just yeah like, well, it's kind of what's a, the right answer yeah. that's it's true like, a constructive like, gotcha. <laughs> like that's just a fundamental right. thing that nobody actually knows really what they want right yeah. i like, think that's true i would just i just <laughs> make them a puppy 
<laughs> I like you have no yeah, idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like you're there's, a puppy. <laughs> there's a way to to do it in a in a medium way that maybe you wouldn't get yourself into so much trouble. You know, it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. This is the character I chose for this date. Like, and then you just end up talking Slender it through man. and you're like, I don't know, I don't have a type, or you talk it through, but you don't like mm. make them have like a huge <laughs> Squeaky endowment. <laughs> you could have easily gone like reverse, like you know, if she made a person that just has a full head of hair and he's like balding. It's like, totally. Oh wow, I, you're right. It you is, need hair. I I, oh, yeah. This is. I've never, wow, I, I don't remember having this much hair right. before. Yeah, it's just like long flowing. Like, uh, yeah. I do think you're right. And it, and it was a setup for failure. I think what was interesting is not as much the aftermath of like, oh, she's realizing it and she's getting upset. But it was like before they even really discussed anything, he almost felt bad for his like what he had created oh, in the role. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess in some ways I'm just like, you know, a lot of it is ultimately like creating our fantasies. Like yeah. that is what we're able to do in yeah. these virtual worlds. And we do that with film. We do that with games. You know, it's fantasies, but they just become realer and realer and like then the more real they are i think we do have a concept of like well maybe we took a little too far <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> there was a there was an alan watts lecture i believe that like there's a particular talk that he had that covered this specifically and it was basically imagine that you are in a dream and you can control the dream completely each night and so you dream whatever the hell you want you do all the things um you know you make it as fun and enjoyable as you want and the next day you're like, well, that was great, but I'm going to do something a little different. And like you, each time you get a little bit more used to basically doing exactly what you expect because it's the thing that you've decided at the beginning and you get further in and you just say, okay, maybe I'm going to surprise myself a little bit. Maybe let's do something expected. I don't want to know what's coming. I don't want to know what I'm going to dream about. And you take further gambles and further risks and kind of give up more and more control of exactly what your world looks like each night until you're just back at square one in the world that you currently live. Ah. <laughs> Where you have no real control other than how you handle things. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically just curate yourself back to nothing? Back to uh, unexpected this being the most interesting state of yes. living. Yes. Yeah. The, like you find if you think, overstructure your environment, then nothing will be su a surprise anymore. And we live on being stimulated. Right. Mm. I think that's true. And I think yeah. that's why we're not going to end up in like, you know, Black Mirror. Like, yeah. Like, like we, we it wouldn't be interesting to have everything be, we want all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think it will ultimately help a lot of people to be a lot healthier and a lot more productive and a lot smarter. Yeah. Um, but it will also... Uh, cause some other people to be a lot more destructive because that's <laughs> just what they're going to do. And I think people will, will go in sort of these phases of like, oh, we're getting too, too curated in our experiences and we're yeah. going to back out. Um, but like the technology has the ability to do both. Like yeah. it can bring you closer to your environment. It mm -hmm. can bring you closer to other people, but mm -hmm. it can also sort of isolate you if you don't do it in a meaningful way yeah. right so which feels yeah. like that's the case with just 
all things beyond (laughs) technology, you know. Right. Yeah. Like these, computers, these all... computers have already done this to us and we've yeah. gone right. through all of these cycles with just like these yeah. big yeah. devices sitting in our, <laughs> yeah. the, the tendency <laughs> is, to, is to blame it on the technology and say like, oh, the technology is bad, but it's basically no. always the human dynamic <laughs> yeah. the behind human. it. That's totally <laughs> that right. The human in the loop. <laughs> weird things with it. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, this thing, you bought it to like, you know, uh, do all of your uh, finances and Excel sheets and power PowerPoint displays and your homework and all of this stuff. And it's just like, oh, I spend all of my time watching porn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Whose fault is that? Yeah. Like, like this thing is so powerful yeah. and I'm just helping you masturbate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like a oh it's like, I just wanted to give you Excel. <laughs> I was uh, I was on one of those meditation apps today. This is actually kind of funny. Oh. I did it for three minutes because Ooh. my apartment was so loud from the construction that mm. I was like, I got to chill out for a second because <laughs> it was just like beep, beep, like something me. you know, and it's just like, oh, my God. So I literally went into a closet. <laughs> <laughs> And did a three minute meditation that was just like, breathe, you're going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, this phone is like, it's funny because it's like Like, the phone that's allowing me to go into a closet and do a guided meditation, you know? But one of the meditations that I saw as I scrolled through the list was like, um, you know, fixing your relationship with your phone, you know? Wow, it's that's like, silent. It's not it's not the phone, it's you. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like who it's funny to think though that's like that is exactly going back to your point, Evie. It's like, you know, it brings us all this great stuff and um including the ability to meditate, but one of the things you're meditating on is the fact that you <laughs> can't handle like, your phone. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Or much. that we're all just struggling a little bit <laughs> yeah. with being in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Like life's a lot sometimes. Oh my god! Uh, well, tip of the day: put me away. Yeah, <laughs> stop looking at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what it means. <laughs> hey, like, do you really want me to put you away? Message is this? It's I'm like, getting mixed signals from my phone right now. <laughs> Somebody's calling me, but the app says put me down. Right, right. I don't know what to do. Oh my god, um, Evie, for Verge of Brilliance, which is your company that because you work at least two jobs, which is yeah. Verge of Brilliance, um, which you like own and are the president of, and all of that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which it is creating games. Yeah, right? it's basically experimental games. Okay, experimental, experimental. games. Yeah. I feel like you have this theme of working in things related to education and and social understanding or something like that. Yes. Okay. Connection. Yes. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, is basically I like to design with sort of this idea of like meaningful play. Um, where it's just like you're having fun, but mm. the artifacts that you take out of it, the things that you sort of like you bring mm. with you once you leave yeah. the experience are sort of a uh, positive impact in your life somehow. Mm. So it's basically uh, I sort of just have this mindset of, um, you know, uh, the next phase of gameplay. So when you play an experience for a while and then you back out of it and Mm. then you play it again and back out of it. The stuff that sort of like is left over the residue is what shapes culture. Yeah. And you know, I just like imprints. Yes. The imprints. Right. Yeah. And so I'm very, I'm very mindful of that. 
And so like everything that I design is sort of centered around this idea of like, well, what are people leaving with? It's like that concentric circle you talked about, right? That was the beauty. What was the name of that again? Agalma. 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 Yes. Yes. I like like that. (laughs) The artifacts you're taking away. And Mm -hmm. have you seen, so I guess going from not working in VR to working in VR, what have you noticed? Do you think that the Agalma can be more powerful with VR? Uh, Yes. Um, With immersive tech, uh, there's just a lot more there's a, a lot more space to leave an imprint, right? Yeah. So the the fact that you're, you know, you're impacting someone's periphery, you're impacting someone's um, uh, relationship with their own body, um, you know, all of these things are basically leaving a lot of room for you to internalize the experience that mm. you've had. Um, and so uh, I, I think there's a, like a, a ton of room. And then there's also just the fact that like, I know, or at least in my mind, I know you guys might not believe it yet, but VR, AR, pervasive experiences, this is sort of like the next generation of computing. So it's coming and we have a decision to make whether it's going to be good or bad. It's like a big blanket that is slowly floating down over the world and nobody can really stop that from happening. Right. Just shape the way that it falls. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we've, you know, like a lot of the... um, the fights that we've had in uh, in um, regular games and, and traditional games, it's yeah. like we've learned like how culture can be um, uh, negatively impacted yeah. by just like leaving uh, well, the artifacts that we're leaving on people, <laughs> leaving the wrong <laughs> artifacts, right? Yeah, um, and it actually ends up hurting the entire you know industry. Yeah. You know, you end up with like. government trying to like regulate it and then you end up with um uh experiences where half of the human population can't enjoy it because the people that are playing it are just complete awful people Mm -hmm. right and so (laughs) there's just a very toxic culture that forms around it or something yeah you shape toxic cultures and it's really really hard to back out of it yeah um and so like i've you know, uh, I've interviewed with companies and and had conversations with people where they're just like, well, we're wanting this game to appeal to more of this type of audience or, mm-hmm. you know, more kids or more women or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, how can we, you know, create moderators and create sort of these game spaces that make it feel more comfortable and welcoming and inclusive and all of that stuff. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, well, part of the issue is that this culture exists and you're going to have to try to reverse it. And so this is yeah. much harder than it would have been had you been more mindful earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why I think VR has this ability to actually bring more people together. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with the community as well yeah. and not just the tech. And you're, are we talking specifically about, games or I guess, uh, game experiences as translated to VR or about sort of the broader application of VR and XR in general? Yeah. You'll find that when you talk to me, there's not too much difference. I sort of live life as if it's a game. I mean, I feel Um, like everybody does whether they look at it that way or not. Right. (laughs) I don't know if that's necessarily the healthiest way of thinking about things, but (laughs) this is definitely how I've learned to sort of yeah, like live, yeah. navigate this freezer. Well, game, that's the that's the thing that's interesting about games is that they're like they are a simplification or like a simplified model off of real life. Yes. 
So if you structure your own real life in any way in things that incentivize you, then like that is your game. That is your game. Yes, yeah. exactly. So like, so yeah. So I guess to answer yeah. that question, it, yeah, I think that it's, uh, when I talk about virtual experiences, I'm talking about play, but I'm also talking about yeah. play in the context of learning and education. Everything and basically. Everything. And yeah, just yeah. performing, you know, way that's optimal um because that's that's how you learn is yeah. to sort of like people learn things better when they play with the the subject matter yeah. yeah right like studying is one thing that sort of gets you halfway there but like you know you can tell when someone's like a complete math nut or a complete physics nut because yep. they just play with it they, they talk to it yeah, yeah they, they make like jokes about it they're just all over it, it. Yeah. yeah they go it's, home and they're just like you know ah yeah what's well, space. Like, the, that whole learning period or not pyramid. Space. <laughs> like space. Maybe not space. Uh, that's me. That's That was me just inserting myself. I was, I was like, ah, oh. I get home and I'm just like tired and I'm just like, mm, space. <laughs> yeah. It's that whole learning pyramid where you have like lecture basically or reading about a thing is very near the top where maybe you're only absorbing like 10 to 20% of the content yeah. that you're trying to absorb. And then down at the bottom, you've got uh, actual like like applying or learning by doing the thing and then teaching others. So like absorbing it by kinesthetically engaging in the medium somehow and then communicating it to other people. Yes. So like if we can translate all of learning or more of the things that we're trying to learn into that uh, interactive medium of XR, then that's really the powerful thing. Yes. At least for education. But Yeah. I mean, yeah. then everyone just has a much higher baseline for like capacity for learning. Yeah, how much yeah. you can learn. Yeah. In a given time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to learn the content in a fraction of the time because it's, it's being exposed to you in a very sort of bodily way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, everything that I've done in games has been about sort of like, you know, um, uh, interactions, like creating experiences that are memorable, that have something that sort of like leave behind. Um, they capture embodiment and things like that. You know, I don't want people spending the first eight hours uh, in my games, like learning how to play my game. I want them mm -hmm. to put on the headset and intuitively know what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I, that's like one of the things that I want to do uh, in everything that I build is make it so that there's sort of a natural or an embodied component to it. Um, so you're not really thinking about necessarily the device that you're using yeah. as much as you're just getting in, in it and then being an actor. Being absorbed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or there's just something that feels intuitive. Like you with the marimba sticks, you're like, oh, these, I'm holding two sticks. It just kind of makes sense. I'm not thinking about like which buttons I need to press. Yeah. So much as just let me move the way that I expect to, to reach out and hit a key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, like with Epic Snow Day, it was like the idea was, you know, do the things that you would do in snow. So yeah. a lot of uh, snowball games tend to be like, oh, press a button to make a snowball. And I'm just like, how lame is that? <laughs> no, get down on the ground and scoop up some snow and <laughs> scoop it up until it's the size that you want and then pick it up, 
throw it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. So, yeah. I mean, like, I, I just like, yeah, I, I like to think of, you know, experiences in VR as being um, natural, as being not in the way. And mm-hmm. so even though it gives this outward appearance of just being super, super techie and super like, yeah. You know, you, you got to be like in the elite to use VR. It's like, no, that's not the goal. It's that's yeah. how VR is is actually handled in the future. We failed. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the best thing to do is to apply it outside of the gaming industry because the problem with the gaming industry is it's all computer geeks. So they're yes. willing. That's why they're the first. Mm-hmm buyers they're willing to put up with that but then that becomes a problem everyone's like how do we get mainstream people? yeah it was it, game the game industry has been a niche industry until more recently in, in right. history right mm-hmm. yeah i'm almost hesitant because of all this to call uh to keep calling xr or just vr in general like an industry because First, it was easily translated, like the tools, the 3D modeling and animation and all of those things that were already being used in video games and in the video game industry were an intuitive jump for developers. Yeah. And so you've got a lot of people coming from the video game industry into this space, into VR. um, And so they're bringing over those ideas and those ways of thinking. But we were talking earlier about how XR in general is just this kind of overarching blanket that is covering like the world all industries so the potential like the applications of it are so much broad more broad than video games specifically so like we need more people from other spaces and other frames of thinking to actually open up those those ideas yes those possibilities yeah yeah i i think that like you know like uh movie industry and you yeah. know some of these other industries before that is is that there's there are these sort of key moments mm-hmm. um, where somebody just sort of comes across an idea that's just like it transforms the entire way you think about that technology. Mm-hmm. So like with cameras, it's like, oh, wow, you could bring the camera onto the stage with you. Uh, and oh, my gosh, now you've got a movie, a modern day movie. we can control the movie. angle. Yes. <laughs> we can take frame like, shots. <laughs> right. It's like you can move the camera. The camera can actually be in the shot. And it's yeah. like. I feel like VR is still waiting for those sort of eureka moments. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to be, but I think that like right now we're sort of still in Portland, um, <laughs> Oregon. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Ultimately, what I'm saying is that we're we're just making a lot of ports of like you know, oh, here is a game that used to be a you know, traditional 3D game mm-hmm. and now it's a VR game. Yeah. Like, you know, and so <laughs> there's a lot of learning that comes from that. Yeah. You, you sort of start to see where the differences lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an important part of the process. Yeah. But eventually we're going to get into, yeah, VR, there's this thing you can do in VR that you can't do with a normal game. Yeah, you, it's like a broadly applicable tool it's not yes. just a, a a game experience builder yes and everybody needs this yeah like that's that's what we're sort of waiting for and i think part of that is also like accessibility like you can make the best app in the world but mm-hmm. if it's too hard to get into mm-hmm. um or you have to be like at a hundred percent optimal health in order to be in it yeah then 
it's probably not for you for probably 80% of your day. Yeah. Um, you, know, <laughs> you go to work to do that stuff. And then when you get home and you're playing video games, you're just like, okay, here's my last 10%. I'm going to play Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you can't do that with VR. You can't just be like, oh man, I'm down to my last 10%. It's let me just go ahead and right jump now. on in. Yeah, yeah. Like, let, yeah. Me, let me just precariously set up these sensors, yeah. set up my guardian. <laughs> oh, yeah. my yeah. room. Yeah. Let me do more like, physical work. Yeah. <laughs> more physical work. Yes. All right, Evie. Well, I guess to end, what is inspiring you most right now? Like what's driving you forward? What is driving me forward? I like yeah. Mm. Another way that I like to put that is like, what's keeping you up at night? What is the thing that you think about those most? Those are two opposite. Things. Yeah, really. Like, I think yeah. those are definitely Why would two I opposite want the things. thing that's driving me forward to keep me up at night? Because yeah. that's the thing that like you're always that's always somewhere on your mind that you're always thinking about, and you're always like having ideas in that space, and you your mind always comes back to, and and it's like it's the primary motivator of whatever you're focused on. At I that think time. that's for you, Jay. Maybe that's for me. <laughs> My dog keeps me up a lot. Yeah. It's just, it's just so yappy. Well, I guess so answer whichever one you want. Okay. So what keeps me up at night the most is my dog. Okay. He's fair. terrible. Um, and then the, the thing that inspires me and drives me forward is sort of like, I, I don't know, like VR sort of makes me feel special because it's kind of a... <laughs> Um, you know, everybody that's in it right now is sort of like, you know, they're, they've invested and they're, they're just like pretty much shaping what VR is going to be in yeah, the next like 20 or 30 years. Yeah. So I, I think that's just super like exciting to know that explorer. like, yeah, that, um, yeah. When people are looking back at like the, you know, 20, 2010, 20 teens pictures and they're seeing people posing with their giant brick <laughs> VR headsets on perched precariously on the like their forehead um <laughs> they're gonna be like wow you guys were so weird but look at what you made my glasses are just so awesome like yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah I I think that's going the uh, you know that that really excites me like because you know now I'm like you know mid-30s and I read books like the last book that I read was console wars which was pretty uh, much the console war between yeah. super NES and um Sega mm -hmm. Sega Genesis and like that it was riveting to me and I'm like <laughs> you know maybe you know 20 20 years into the future somebody's gonna be like Writing reading books about yeah. this. Writing books about this and the crazy <laughs> stuff that we're doing. Wars. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vive and Oculus Wars. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, VR Wars. Yes. <laughs> I, I look forward to reading VR Wars yes, sometime it is a, in the yeah. future. It's a time of pioneers and explorers right yeah. now. <laughs> yes. It's like it's the Wild so West. It's like this is the most exciting my world, yeah. my life's going to get. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I don't want it any more exciting than what it is right now. Let's just keep it like this. No no real wars, please. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come out and join us. And I know we're both really excited to see what your chapter is in the VR wars. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.
All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. So real quick, Jay was talking about a movie at one point and Evie and I basically laughed him off the stage. <laughs> We're like, there's no way. But no, it's that, true. Yeah, there was definitely. a movie with Sylvester Stallone. Yep. And uh, I believe, oh gosh. It it's was, it's a Wesley Snipes, I think. West, yeah, it was a right? Wesley Snipes film. Uh, Demolition Man came out in 1993. Uh, it is about a police officer who is brought out of suspended animation in prison to pursue an old ultra-violent nemesis who is loose in a non-violent future society. Right. That's one where they like don't have sex or something. Yeah, yeah. So the scene was they were sit- standing in a bedroom and they were about to have sex. And then she's like, let's put on these headsets and experience uh, it in virtual reality. I, Not- <laughs> I got to go watch that. All yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for the thanks for the movie reference. Yeah. OK, so uh, if you want to follow Evie, she's on Twitter at Parasite Evie, which she mentioned because it's derived from the game Parasite Eve. Mm-hmm. So that's at P-A-R-A-S-I-T-E-E. V-I-E. Parasite <laughs> Evie. Uh, uh, she also has her, her her studio called Verge of Brilliance, and that's at vergeofbrilliance.com, all mm-hmm. spelled the way you would expect. And you can just Google search her. She's done a lot of different interviews. She has papers out there, research games. Um, All this good stuff. So you can honestly just Google her name and a bunch will come up. We would really love to bring her back on in the future uh, to talk about some of the things we kind of had to glaze over in this particular conversation. We just don't have infinite time, but we would love to dig more into uh, pervasive experience and games as well as calm UX. There are concepts that uh, have a lot of depth and there's a lot of interesting things to talk about there. So, Yeah. And it's hard to believe we end up glazing over things after a two and a half hour conversation but it happens yeah um and one of the things we're going to be playing around with is bringing on more than one guest at a time and so maybe we'll bring her back on oh, yeah. with somebody through, else through popular request it yeah. is something that has been brought up multiple times to have kind of like a round table discussion or what yeah. people call a design salon i don't know yeah still... i don't know i don't think we need we don't need an official buzzword for it it's just going to be a bunch of people talking about things hopefully it'll be but interesting yeah. so hopefully evie will come back on and uh i'll make some smoothies and then <laughs> hopefully not salsa <laughs> smoothies i think that's it for evie more about us as always yeah, yeah. so you can go to realityquestpodcast.com to uh find us on the various platforms that's also where you can donate through patreon uh which is really helpful to us. You can subscribe or do a custom donation. We need coffee. Uh, this is all just done out of the good of our hearts. It's helpful to have any amount of money for coffee, food, travel, uh, paying for equipment like the mics that we need to have more guests on, etc. What, what is your favorite uh, coffee drink or cafe drink this week? This week it's the same. Oh, okay. I Hasn't know. <laughs> well, I guess uh, this is totally. <laughs> sounds so sad. This is totally uninteresting, <laughs> but I'll 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 discuss it. Yeah, sure. I think what changes for me is my mug of the week. Oh, like I get really excited about certain mugs and really not excited about mugs I was excited about before. Well, so, what is your mug this week? My mug this week is Mike got a new mug from Skillet Diner. Which has a, a crazy looking angry octopus on it eating Whoa. a bus. So it's like and a all kraken. Yeah, pretty much. Eating a bus. And okay. I just really love it. So I enjoy <laughs> my cafe au lait out of my new skillet diner mug. Nice, nice. Yeah. Last I think last week it was a cat. A cat with a hat that was like a one of those fruit fruit pineapple hats. You no, know, not like a those, cat in the hat, like not Dr. a cat Seuss, in the hat, but, but you know those like crazy 
the hats made out of fruits and stuff? Do you know what I'm oh, talking yeah, about? Like yeah, a basket yeah, like of the, fruits? The, uh, the, the, yeah. Not fruit of the loom, but... You know, the... Something like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the underwear company. It's the one that like makes butter or something. <laughs> Anyways, I have a mug with a cat wearing a hat like that. That was last week. This week's is the Kraken. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, basically donate so that I can buy more mugs is the point. And and we can buy more coffee and think of more cool things to do. Um, Wait, one more thing on that. Uh, Also, subscribe to the podcast and rate us. The more subscriptions and ratings we have, the better. Hopefully you Uh, rate us positively. Ratings and reviews are super helpful for getting us just more visibility so more people like you can find what we're doing and learn and yeah, Yeah. be entertained. Shout out to Fairy Rider 89. (laughs) Who's our one reviewer uh, on Apple Podcasts? Yeah. And well, also shout out to my mom because she's the first <gasps> Patreon that That's we That's right. Was your mom's name? Uh, oh, sorry. Tara. I don't know if she'd want to drop her name on here. Oh, thanks, Mrs. Silvis. <laughs> Is that what I should call it's Tara. her? It's Tara. Okay. Thanks, Tara. <laughs> thanks, mom. Oh, boy. I'll what get else, her permission Jay? before that next time. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have Patreon. We also have Ko-Fi or Coffee. Um, I'm going to be adding that into our social media and website. So you should be able to find us on there too, if that's your preferred sort of like donation platform. Um, we're also on Instagram, Reality Quest Podcast, no spaces or dots, and then Twitter at Reality underscore Quest. All right, everyone. Enjoy uh, blending in the blender of life. No. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening to Reality Quest.